0: There are a whole lot of things happening in the world that are scary, alarming. Joe Biden says that uh, food shortages are coming. He says that if Vladimir Putin used chemical weapons, we'll respond. Others have said that if they use nukes, the fallout could spread to Europe and then NATO will be forced to respond. And two members of the Russia, Russia's nuclear chain of command have gone radio silent and people are paranoid. But we're not leading with that story. As much as those stories are important, we will talk about them. The one thing I think is particularly important is that the Daily Wire's Jeremy's Razors, yes, in just three days, have surpassed Harry's Razors in followers. The reason I think this is <laughs> this is significant is that what happens here in the United States culturally will impact us politically, and then will have very serious ramifications. Joe Biden wouldn't uh, would not be president if. The right had a stronger culture or more dominance in cultural spaces to influence people, which ultimately leads to voting and practices. And for a lot of the problems that we see from our political class, it has a lot to do with the fact that the left dominates cultural institutions in the media and they control it. So seeing a story about Harry's canceling or denouncing the Daily Wire and the the Daily Wire rebutting and growing bigger than their own Twitter account in three days, five million views on their commercial in only a few days, I think it's significant. And as you know, my opinion on the Daily wire is that what they're doing is absolutely fantastic in building culture so joining us to talk about that is co co-ce- ceo of the Daily wire Jeremy Bourne
1: co-ceo and God King yeah, of and course King.
0: yeah sorry I come on yes you know, <laughs> Blasphemy. for it seems like such a
1: small ask yeah right exactly yeah, yeah and and
0: and and also um uh member of the the hot duo Smoky Mike and the God King
2: Smoky Mike and the God King Smoky Mike good
0: stuff
1: yeah you know the thing about Smoky Mike and the God King. I mean, obviously our early work is our best work. (laughs) The stuff we were putting out in the sixties, I think is, it's just underappreciated. It's a shame that the culture is forgotten. Yeah.
0: Jeremy's 87. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He looks great, right?
1: Yeah. Hey, well, that's Jeremy's razors at work. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, the, the most amazing thing about, uh, and I haven't said this anywhere. Obviously, this is my first uh, time on the show and and my first time to share this information publicly. We've sold 25,000 razor subscriptions in our first three days as a company, which is an amazing thing. Obviously, uh, and it makes the joke much funnier. The thing you have to know about me <laughs> is that uh, I like to tell very, very expensive jokes. Smoky Mike and the God King being one of them. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I like to tell jokes where people don't know if you're kidding or not. That's always yes. very important to me. And with with this, I was so incensed by, not not by Harry's Razors pulling their ads, which that's just the market at work if an advertiser wants to pull their ads out of our shows because they, you know, they're going through an economic hard time. If they want to pull ads from our show because the ads aren't working. If they just don't like the cut of our jib. All of that is fair game. If they attack us on their way out publicly, well, that's just bad behavior. That's rude behavior. We were good partners. We told our audience, leverage our personal credibility to tell our audience about Harry's Razors, our conservative audience, by the way. Harry's knew what they were getting. They knew what they were buying. Mm-hmm. And on their way out, they decided to virtue signal uh, and respond to a tweet that had two followers and say uh, that we had inexcusable views and, and a case of values misalignment. And I thought, well, I I still have the same audience I had yesterday. Why don't I tell that audience that Harry's doesn't want their business? I, I want to see why we should. Not see why we should put up with that.
0: We'll save some of that, too, because I just want to yeah. run through the intros. But we'll, we'll loop back and wait. There's intros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the
1: whole thing was like an extended commercial. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you, you stole
3: my introduction time. Right. Wait. Wait.
0: we We, we, we could, you know, sh- should we should we pause and discuss what percentage I'm going to begin? Oh <What? laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Go. By the way, old Smoky Mike
3: and the God King. I, you know, I don't know what Smoky Mike's talents are, but I know the God King never released a hit without him. So there you go. I'm Seamus Coglin of. (laughs) Freedom Tunes, we just released a video this morning, as well as a video two days ago. Tim voiced Dr. Fauci and both of them. They were both a blast to make. I really recommend you guys go check those out. And if you want to donate at Patreon, you'll get to see the behind the scenes of Tim and I recording it, doing some improv, and the whole production coming together.
0: So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, uh, it's also Seamus' birthday. It's yeah, also birthday, homie. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Twenty-seven, Woo. the old nice. 27. big yeah. year, yeah. which is yeah. the beginning yeah. of your yeah.
1: saturnal return.
3: Which <laughs> is why they forced me to come back. I was like, <laughs> like I little just,
1: little <laughs> old to be a virgin.
3: That's <laughs> <laughs> so rude. Wow. Well, look, actually, not you're fair. not too old to be a virgin if you're not married. There you go. I've heard point. that the age from age
4: twenty-seven to thirty is the saturnal return, and what you do for those years basically dictates what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life.
1: Not not a one-to-one ratio, but it worked that way for me. I will say that the prohibition against premarital sex in the Bible. Was meant to encourage people to get married. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I will. not to just I masturbate think... late into old age. <laughs> no, you should, I mean you not, just shouldn't masturbate at all. As opposed to, yeah. it's let's like, we'll talk about that yeah, on right. right. yeah. the after show. Let's take to the
2: after show.
1: Oh, hey, Ian
4: Crossland here, and you know I don't use a straight edge. I haven't in a long time anyway. But if you guys are looking at uh, going into electric razors, ooh, I like that. I like where your uh, all right where your where your razors are at. Anyway, I'm just going to pass this over to Lydia.
1: <laughs> <get that> <laughs> Thank you, Ian. I appreciate that. I'm very excited to be here tonight. Love Jeremy Boring. He's one of my favorite non-commentators of the Daily Wire. <laughs> Somebody in the comments was saying that he is smart and polished, so I'm really looking forward to tonight's show. I'm one of her favorite non-commentators. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's great. Because you you keep it to I've, I've already what heard, he
1: heard some comments from <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I like, this. It's very precise. This I was going to say
0: I you're
3: mean. like me in that you save up your
2: words yeah, and keep it down. Yeah, that's
0: great. Before we get started, head over to <laughs> TimCast.com, become a member, help support our work directly, and you'll get access to exclusive segments of this show, TimCast Arrow Podcast, will be up around 11 or so p.m. We do that Monday through Thursday at 8 p.m. So, of course, we usually have the spicier show, the not family-friendly, all the swearing and drinking and fighting. Yeah, all that uh, happens in the members-only <laughs> show. I- I'm not kidding about the fighting. We had a guy here, you know, and he, he snacking the mic. Like, and yep. You know, those things happen on the members-only program because we, we like to uh, – I guess have fun, whatever. Uh, But support our work directly at TimCast.com. You can also smash the like button right now, subscribe to this channel, share this show with your friends if you really do want to help us out. And we got to read this first story. In just three days, Mm -hmm. the Jeremy's Razors Twitter account surpasses Harry's in followers. So many of you heard a little bit already about this. You know a little bit about it. For those that aren't familiar, Harry's Razors is woke, they denounced the Daily Wire's audience. The Daily Wire launched their, uh, their own version, essentially, Jeremy's Razors, which now has a, a, what, what do you say, Jeremy?
1: 25,000 subscriptions. 25,000 subscriptions in 72 hours.
0: Nice. I'll just say real quick, and we can get into the beginning, the story of all this, um, the building of culture, yeah. the building of infrastructure, which means the ability for someone to buy a razor. You know, pe- people watch Netflix because where else can you go? Well, now the Daily Wire's got something. People buy Harry's razors because, or, or Gillette because they need razors. And these companies are investing <laughs> your money in things that uh, you don't value or in people that hate you. So what the Daily Wire is doing is profoundly important. Many people are doing it, but you guys seem to be leading the charge. So, Jeremy, do you want to you tell us
1: just a bit about how this started? Yep. Your position and where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what you said, I think, is is a big part of it. Like, conservatives have been... You know, sort of in retreat for most of my life, certainly for the last uh, 15 or 20 years. And as a result of that, we've we've sort of taken a very pessimistic view. Conservatives spend a lot of time lamenting the loss of the past, lamenting uh, the loss of the economy, lamenting the loss of their place in the culture. Uh, and Daily Wire has a different attitude. We're we're not lamenting anything. We're we're happy to be alive right now. Like, I'm glad that we live at a time where uh, black people people can drink from the same water fountains that I do. I'm glad—whatever a water fountain is, I mean, I guess they can drink from the same water bottles
0: right. that I
1: can. Uh, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, we have penicillin. Like, th- there's a lot of—that's great about the modern age. Um, what I want to do is take the great values that were established and worked in the past, learn from the past, and build on a foundation. Uh, I want to be proactive. I want to I want to be optimistic about the future. I I don't want to lament the past. I want to build the future. And so, when someone like Harry's virtue signals publicly and and attacks my business, um, I want to build my own business. Like conservatives deserve razors too. And and I think that it's an important you know the the left these world <coughs> corporations they think that they can sort of rip the culture in half and not pay any economic consequence for it. So I want to rip the economy in half. I want to say no. If you can't just alienate 50% of the audience, uh, of the people in the country, and still expect them to buy your goods and services, they should buy their own goods and services. And that sounds like I'm saying that I think we should be further balkanized, that I think that we should be further divided. I do in the short term, but I don't in the long term. I desire a country where we're all uh, citizens together, where where we can embrace disagreement, where we can embrace political processes. I just think things are so out of alignment right now. That to return to a place like that, you have to create economic incentive. And the only way to create economic incentive, it's not with temporary boycotts. uh, It's not with complain culture uh, online. It's not with doom scrolling. It's Mm -hmm. with actively building things that that now require companies like Harry's to compete for our business. Exactly. Competition. Competition. So, so uh, did Harry's have any
0: wind of what you guys were planning on doing? Or, or do, you <laughs> want, do you want to just give us the quick version of the story for anyone who doesn't yeah, know?
1: Absolutely. So, one of uh, the people who works for me, a, a peon hmm. named Michael Knowles. <laughs> oh, uh, the worst! I, yeah. I, I know none of, of you have ever heard of him. Nope. Who? Who has? <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael was on a podcast with another of our hosts, Candace Owens, but it was not a Daily Wire podcast. It was a Prager University podcast, and it wasn't. Uh, A year ago, it was several years ago. Wow. And they had a conversation about how gender dysphoria uh, has historically been categorized as a mental illness. Mm -hmm. I believe
0: it. Is it currently in the DSM-5? And It was. was. That was
1: the conversation. It was a respectable conversation, a respectful conversation. Uh, Fast forward a couple of years, one year ago in March, one year ago right now, and a Twitter account that had two followers. A high schooler. A high schooler with two followers Mm -hmm. uh, pointed out to Harry's. Uh, that this conversation had taken place and Harry's immediately reacted uh, on their Twitter account and said, you know, this is inexcusable. This is values min- misalignment. We're pulling all of our ads, uh, and we're gonna, and we're gonna make sure there's no further values misalignment in how we, in how we conduct our sponsorships. Well, when you do that, you're signaling to all of my other advertisers that the only excusable thing to do would be to also pull your business from the Daily Wire. That makes it an attack on my business, right? It's not just you. Taking your spend, which you can do anytime you want. It's you attacking uh, your company, a, c- a company that had been your partner previously. It's also attacking my audience. You're saying my entire audience. An audience you paid us to go help you sell razors to has inexcusable values. Uh, and I'm just not going to put up with that anymore. I think one of the beauties of this medium that we all have, this this digital presence that we all have, is that there are so many fewer gatekeepers. I don't have to make you know the radio syndication network happy. Uh, they, the radio syndication network wants you to just take cancellations laying down because they have other shows. They don't want to get into a war with the advertisers. But, you know, with your show, with our shows, we're still going to have the same number of people watching tomorrow. No, whether Harry's Razors advertises with us or not. So why wouldn't I embrace that freedom? Why wouldn't I use that, that, that same amount of time that I used to spend telling people to buy Harry's, which by the way, Harry's is a great razor. I was proud to tell people to buy Harry's. I was proud that we supported the work that, you know, supported their product. Uh, But they don't want my audience to buy their razors clearly. So I'm going to spend that same amount of time telling my audience that Harry's doesn't want their business, and I do. And you're going to make more money. Do you ever think that
4: adding, like, an extension to the handle of the razor would be good so you could shave your back?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, a little
4: bit. Maybe put a warning label do you have on it. Back shaving problems. That, that would do it. No, but just thinking of it for the future, yeah. just yeah. in case.
1: A back shaver. We're, we all we all have back shaver problem. You're back shave <laughs> at some point. Like we may not have them today, the <laughs> but the day is coming. That's right. Yeah. So so where are you at? Uh, what, did, yep. can, can you mention how many subscriptions? Twenty five thousand subscriptions we've sold uh, in seventy two hours, which makes us the dog who caught the car. I mean, for us, hmm. the commercial was everything. And this is what I told my team all year. We were sourcing razors. We were mixing up shaving creams and seeing if we liked them. And what was important to me, though, was whether we ever sell a razor or not, the commercial has to be a statement about the Daily Wire. It has to be a statement about our brand. It has to say that we're proactive, that we're having a good time, that we're looking to the future, that we're not going to take cancellations laying down. Um, it has to remind our audience what we are and what we stand for. If we happen to sell any razors, it'll just make the joke that much funnier. Well, now I'm the dog who caught the car. I have an actual business now. I have to stand up over the next two weeks to make sure that we can keep up with the demand that's out there for these races. Is it that a Five? year
4: a year ago? I just want to get the timeline accurate. Yep. A year ago they pulled the ads.
1: A year ago they pulled the ads. So you've been
4: in in the process of this last year, building yep. everything. And how long did it take to produce the commercial?
1: It was a three day shoot. And and uh, five or six weeks of post-production to get the commercial out. Nice. Awesome. Five million views since the 22nd,
0: so not even two full mm-hmm. days. It's 4.9 million views. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, was that
1: a real flamethrower? It's a real flamethrower. Beautiful. It's not the smartest idea I ever had to fire a flamethrower in my office, but it's definitely the most Jerry. badass. And, that's, know. That's, that's and it works. Right? Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy. Jeremy. The Boring Company? Oh. Yeah,
3: is oh, it made yeah. by the Boring Company?
1: It is the Boring yes. Company flamethrower. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I'm Jeremy to. Boring I fired the ask. Boring Flamethrower <laughs> at <laughs> Gillette and Harry's. It was not boring. Oh, that's Amazing. awesome. Do you sh- believe in synergy, like in like divine interconfluence and things. I definitely believe that if Elon Musk will retweet my razor company, I will sell even more bajillions of razor blades. Yeah. I I <laughs> actually th- this will be the most kiss-assy thing that I say on the show. Elon Musk is the greatest living American. He's that's the great. most important person in the country because he has an affirmative vision for the future of the country. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know his politics, I'm sure I disagree with him on 50% of everything, but that's a guy who has a vision for what we can be tomorrow. He's not, he's not one of these like boomer lefties who's still fighting the cultural revolution of the 1960s or the economic revolution of the 19 teens and 20s in Europe, you know, trying to socialize the country. And he's not a boomer conservative who's just talking about how great things used to be back when we were Uh, Still young and rock and roll. He's the guy who's going, No, no, we can actually build some. We can build. Our best days are ahead of us. Let's go build them. We were
4: talking about leadership last night and Savannah Hernandez was saying, We need leaders. And I thought, Yeah, you don't, but you, what you don't want is a guy to step on and be like, I'm your leader now. You want someone like Elon or like you that's like building something that people can, you're just casually building it and people look at you like a leader because of what you've created and what you're creating. I agree with you that I'm a lot like Elon. Yeah, a lot like Elon. (laughs) Your beard's very nice, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned (laughs) that earlier.
0: (laughs) And I think for, for, for the average person, you know they would, they just look at elon and you as very very wealthy successful people who have a vision for something elon though is you know one of the is he the richest guy like richest guy on the planet i think it's good
3: or i think,
1: think? So. Or is it I think him bezos and,
3: is ahead of him no i, I think
1: I it doesn't even if bezos is ahead today you just have to remember that spacex hasn't gone public mm. oh wow all yeah. of elon's wealth really is tesla right i mean when we right. think of his vast wealth is tesla what happens when you take spacex public i mean the the amount of money that that guy is actually worth i think is Dude, he called it Starlink. I think he's actually going to be linking star systems with that.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know. Maybe one day he'll build the Dyson sphere, but I think we're a long way, a long ways away from that.
4: Well, time, time can condense, you know, when you have a, a lot of time and space are the same thing. So if you can move fast enough, you can, mm-hmm. and if a lot of people are working together, it kind of condenses time too. And if you have drones building things all at once in space, you can compile like large spacecraft really quickly.
0: Self-replicating machines we send off to other planets, perhaps, mm-hmm. to just, carry on the American vision. Perfect. That's it. That's but the no, end of existence. I, I
3: think you make an interesting point. It's true that unfortunately a lot of what conservative has been, ha, conservatives have been doing for the past 10 or 20 years has more or less just been complaining about the left and it's really yep. important for us to forward our own vision. And that's a huge part of what I try to do. <laughs> agree or disagree with me. That's part of why I'm frequently talking about my faith and my own particular vision for conservatism. Cause mm-hmm. even though I enjoy making fun of the left and pulling them apart, we actually have to give people something that they can believe in instead of just saying that's bad. Don't
0: do it. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. So, uh, you guys are making movies. Are, daily yep. wire uh, you're making shows too what's how, how does it come to be that the daily wire you guys you guys are, are news aggregators and commentators for the most part now you're in this cultural space yeah how does that happen
1: it was always part of the vision right we, we the company was founded in LA obviously Bens lived in LA every minute that he wasn't at Harvard uh, I spent 20 plus years in LA before moving the company to Nashville at the end of 2020 uh, Andrew Claven screenwriter novelist was with the company from the very beginning there's always been this really kind of Hollywood foundation to what we do. You know, I made a bunch of movies in, in a previous life that they all failed, but I made them. I'm proud of them. Um, and so when when Ben and I made the decision that we wanted to get into business together, one of the things that, that I told him, and, and it was an idea that uh, another conservative commentator, Bill Whittle, uh, helped me formulate, was that if we built a media company that was large enough, we would actually have a spotlight and we could shine that spotlight on other kinds of projects that we might want to make. What happened? And so, for me, that was always movies. Like I had a production company with with some young actors uh, when I was in my early and mid twenties. I had uh, a production company later in life called Declaration Entertainment that was sort of just just probably ahead of its time and underfunded to actually be what it maybe could have been, but was sort of intended to be like a crowd crowdfunding uh, film company before there were crowdfunding companies. The so that was always part of what I wanted, but I thought what we would do is we would build up a big enough audience that if I went and made something on the side, I could promote it. To me that's how I saw it. But what happened to, in 2020, you know, everybody went home because of COVID. Our office is on Ventura Boulevard in LA. It's the second time we've had to board up because Black Lives Rally is is uh, Black Lives Matter is rallying on the street and we're afraid they'll burn down our building. And I'm so I'm on the the third floor of this office building with my business partner. It's completely empty because no one's been to work in weeks and weeks and weeks. And I said, Hollywood's over. Like, what can they make now? Hmm. They've they have decided that the police are bad. Literally 40% of everything that Hollywood makes is about a cop. They, They can't do anything if this is the position they're going to take. And that's when we realized not only had we built that spotlight that Ben and I had always wanted to build, but we had built something else too. We had actually built the distribution mechanism because we had built this streaming video on demand platform for our podcasts, for the video versions of our podcasts. And it just occurred to us in that moment, you know, the technology is agnostic as to what the content is. We've essentially built Netflix. We just haven't put movies on it yet. So if we, if we bring in the one other thing you need for, for a successful entertainment company is just production. If we bring in production, we actually have marketing and distribution. Why don't we give that a try? And as, as, because you know, I know there isn't a god, but if, if you ever think about how, uh, if you ever think about how the world has is. so much purpose and how everything's so complex and beautiful, it's almost like a godlike being, probably from outer space, built it all. Not God, because that would be a silly that thing for me to say. Like what <laughs> <totally> a crazy <laughs> person, but like just a godlike being. Uh, you know, if you really think about it, uh, that when the godlike being sometimes there's this like fortuitousness or providence that happens in the world, and as we're having this thought, Dallas Sonier, who's been a guest on this show. Mm-hmm. Called me and said, hey, I made this great movie called Run, Hide, Fight, and Hollywood won't buy it because mm-hmm. I've basically been blacklisted. And we just saw that as an opportunity to test the theory. If we put a great production through our marketing and through our distribution mechanism, what will happen? It was an unbelievable success for us. The movie paid for itself in something like seven days. Wow. And we realized... We realized that we had an actual, now, opportunity, and, and I always think opportunities are always responsibilities. So now oh. I say we have a responsibility to go chase this. Let me tell you about impact. <laughs> I would I would
0: like uh, for you, sir, to please read the headline uh, on the screen. I, <laughs> <laughs> I watched a Ben Shapiro movie by accident. That's right. Yeah. This is some leftist who watched, uh, I believe they watched Shuddin' mm-hmm. and uh, liked it so much they tweeted— how much they liked it, saying, if you're looking for something to watch, shut in is pretty fun, and Vincent Gallo gets his ass kicked if you're into that sort of thing. That's a tweet I wrote a couple weeks ago, late on Saturday night. It no longer exists. The reason it doesn't exist is because almost immediately after I posted it, I got a DM from a friend. Uh, you know, that movie was produced by the ultra right wing daily wire with only ultra right wing producers, talent and so forth for the market. Um, what? No, no, delete, delete. What? Yep. They're trying to make real movies. Now sneak that issue in under the cover of actual production values for F's sake. This always happens to me. I will be watching an ultra evangelical movie and not realize it's ultra evangelical. I'll be listening to Christian radio and not realize it's a Christian radio. If Jesus is around, I need him to announce himself or I'll just think he's from Brooklyn. Hmm, the, funny, the funny thing about this is that I hope it's satire, and it may be, <laughs> but um I'm assuming
1: it's not. I don't know. It's the but, great it's the greatest article. I mean, at the end they say maybe if you keep doing this, maybe one day I'll watch one of your movies on purpose. I loved we, real the, quick, we, we did talk about this the other day. But I just want to point out uh
0: you know, with you here, here's your thoughts. This is someone who's saying they actually really enjoy evangelical movies or the Daily Wire's content, but it says a lot that they're unwilling to watch things they enjoy because of, yeah. of cult-like behavior. And mm. so the, the, the point I made before we got on the show is thinking about your commercial with Jeremy's Razors, it's, a, it's an objectively funny commercial. Okay, obviously, you know, humor is subjective to a lot of people, but it's it's very much in line with a lot of the, you know, the real American heroes bits that were happening out through the 2000s, 2010s, you know, real men of whatever and that stuff. And it's an over-the-top, it's silly, use a flamethrower to torch, and there's a lot of jokes. It's funny. The The Native American Elizabeth Warren you have standing behind you, a lot of jokes in there. (laughs) The people who claim it's not funny or they don't like it, they're only saying that because they're part of a cult they have to adhere to. That's right. Privately, they admit they like your movies – But they must say they don't like it for the sake of their political tribe.
3: Well, also, when these people say something isn't funny, am I supposed to sit there and go, well, you know, the things you think are hilarious tend to be really valuable and enjoyable to watch. So, of course, I trust your opinion on this. I mean, none of their comedy is good. But part of why I think this, and I could be wrong, part of why I think that this is probably satire is because, unfortunately, most of the stuff that conservatives and evangelicals make tends not to be funny or entertaining. And they're Mm. saying that they keep seeing things made by evangelicals that they don't know are evangelical, which is, is... kind of part of I, why i'm thinking it's satirical but it could I'd, be wrong I'd,
0: I'd like to quote um justin roiland or his character mm-hmm. rick sanchez mm-hmm. your boos mean nothing i've seen what makes yes. you cheer yeah, yeah Best that's right. quote. so there you go i mean first of all the funny thing is they cheered for you got guys, your guys's movie and they're only booing it now when they realized who made it i'm like no nah, you can't take it back you yeah, cheered for right. it we oh. you know you like it yeah that's right
1: yeah yeah, as an insecure artist, uh, <laughs> you know, anytime anybody says they like anything that I did, I don't hear anything they say right. after that. Like it's, <laughs> no back it's all season. a buzz, yeah. So what's the plan? What's what's next? The TV shows? Yeah. TV shows, movies. We, you know, as with the Razor Company, we just see a lot of opportunity in in the destruction that the left is, is mm-hmm. bringing to the culture right now. I mean— I think it's tragic. Listen, if I could snap my fingers and put the country back together and have everything be like it was back when I grew up, I'd probably do it. If I could be dictator, that's what I'd... I'd just say, hey, it should be 1990s all over again. I kind of like the 1990s. The 90s were epic, dude. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there was no... The yeah, races man. all got yeah. along and Power everybody was Rangers, doing pretty well. And 401k was going that up. Bad, that's no. right. Yeah. Transformers,
0: <laughs> Beast Wars.
1: Come on. Dude, 97. Well, but, well, but you can't do that. And it would be disingenuous for us to say, in all of this... Uh, destruction, there's not an opportunity for creativity. No, absolutely. There is, and we should take it. But, no. oh. No. I Well, I, I totally agree. And this is part of why I got
3: into this sphere. Firstly, yep. I just always wanted to make entertaining content. Uh, I, I lean right people on the show who watch me regularly know this. And what ended up happening is I just got to a place after I launched my channel and was doing these political cartoons for a little while where I just realized I didn't really need to try to put a message into anything. I just needed to make something that I thought was funny mm. and my values would naturally come out in it. So often what happens when conservatives try to make content or evangelicals, Christians, even Catholics try to make content is they will really hit you over the head with what the central message is supposed to be instead of just making something that's enjoyable to watch. And yeah. it turns out really cheesy. Now, what's ended up happening over the past couple of years is the left has adopted that strategy. And so much of what they produce is message first, substance later. And so you're absolutely correct that they're tearing their whole empire down because I remember as a kid, we used to watch films and television shows from the 1950s or 60s with our dad, and he would make comments about how they could never
0: make that today. Now we're saying that about things that were made 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, How do you guys get around the the ESG stuff that's been coming? you're familiar with in what 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 is it in, in environmental in, social governance yeah. yeah yeah so for real, real quick for yeah. those that aren't familiar this is basically social credit scores for businesses mm-hmm. and they expect you to be woke to have these you know diversity statements otherwise they could negatively impact your ability to get loans and things like that so uh, the Daily Wire is making all this content. You guys are, are are going after culture, but isn't there a risk there if these other institutions come at you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of risk everywhere. One of the problems I think that conservatives face right now in in the economy more broadly is there are so many potential vectors of attack, uh, and you could put a lot of money into chasing any one of them, and then that could just not be where the attack comes. So you wasted all of your resources <clears throat> trying to plan for a disaster that never came, and now the disaster can come from a whole other... Angle, an example of this, conservatives want to build their own social media platforms right now. You know, you hear every time I talk to any sort of like conservative billionaire, the first thing they say is, when are we going to get a Facebook? And I say, uh, it's, Facebook is 20 years old, bud. Uh, <laughs> you will probably get one 10 years from now. It's been half a biblical generation since it was created. So I think that you're, you're getting close. Soon you will have one. Uh, but that's the whole problem with conservatism uh, from an investment class point of view. Most conser- high net worth conservatives made their money in energy or they made their money in real estate. They made their money in agriculture, very conservative ways of making money. Uh, and the result of that is if a kid with a backpack walks into their family office and says, hey, I designed an app that lets you rank how hot girls on campus are. I think if you gave me a little capital, I could turn it into the dominant communication platform. Uh, ever conceived in all of human history, they would call security and throw that guy out. Yep. Now, twenty years later, they go, "Why don't we have a seat at that table?" But if the if a kid with a backpack walked in now and pitched them blockchain or pitched them Meta, they would have the same reaction that they had twenty years. So it's like, I bet we have a conservative Facebook in ten years, and I bet that we have a conservative Metaverse in forty five years from now, right? Like that's that's the problem. And so, but as with all problems, it creates certain opportunity. We found an early investor in our company. Who was able to get us off the ground we we took money from them that helped us for the first 14 months in month 14 the daily wire was cash flow positive we've paid for all of our growth since then out of cash flow we did 120 million dollars of revenue in the last 12 months uh you know it's a it's a sometimes i get angry when people are like oh billionaires pay for everything you do no 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 like many companies we we were privileged to get some startup capital so you, but we funded all of this out of our success so you you're just saying uh, daily wire pulls in 10 million a month yeah and wow. because and because of that the ESG stuff right now doesn't apply to us right mm-hmm. we don't because we funded our own growth it's it's sort of like your situation here uh, you've built something now you didn't even have the amount of startup capital that we had but you've built something that you own and because you own it you can't be canceled from it you can't be thrown out of it now our goal at The Daily Wire is to become an institution. Our goal at The Daily Wire is to challenge the left uh, on an institutional level because we think that's the only place that true victory can take place. Maybe at some point we'll have to go to the public markets. Um, but what we won't do is get caught up in the CSG stuff. Like it, it may come to at a certain point we have to decide do we subject ourselves to forces that change what we are or do we not grow? And what the risk I see is
0: uh, – yeah. uh well, I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. When I watched that commercial you put out, when I saw the building you were in yep. and the TV and the structure, I'm like, that reminds me of Vice. You know, when I yep. when, when I worked there, when they were edgy, when they were offensive, when they were shocking, the way they designed their buildings. And I was like, man, is the Daily Wire like Vice now? Like how they used to be? How did Vice go from being sex, drugs, and rock and roll into wokeness, outright, you know, establishment and there comes a time... Hundreds of millions in institutional capital. Do they go public? But it's... Uh, they, well, they want to. I think they're trying to go through a SPAC. They've wanted to for a while. My understanding is what I was told by uh, former higher-ups mm-hmm. who were at the company is that they had been attacked so many times by uh, they had harassment complaints, yep. sexual harassment, that the press was bad, and they had paid people out, and there was a risk of certain stories going public... So their investors said, just declare yourselves like a feminist company, like make feminist content, adopt this, and you'll shield yourself from these claims. Mm-hmm. And so the – idea this is what I was told that um, – and this is someone who was like – I worked with their – I worked at Vice. They said when the investors came in and said, be a feminist company and you will be safer from these attacks, they said, okay, because yep. the executives didn't care. So my understanding was – or is – they were just like, hey, whatever gets people off our back – you guys, no problem. We just want to make cash
1: and run a business. None of these executives care. Disney doesn't care about the grooming law down in Florida, mm-hmm. right? Of course they don't. They what they care about is their twenty three year old woke employees um, making it impossible for them to conduct their business. What they care about is the fact that the left is so is so skilled at weaponizing, and they want to avoid those attacks to their business. And so it's a it's a th- the thing about virtue is that it's actually a really cheap currency. You just say something. Hollywood's always peddled in this, you know, even in the glory days of the 90s, you know, and we were all walking around sucking on a big gulp or whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> everybody in Hollywood wanted to save the freaking whales because, of course, they want to save the whales because when you're on, like, your third marriage and yep. four out of your five kids are in rehab and... Uh, Gotta you got know, to save something, I guess. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you want... Everyone needs to see themselves as good on some level. Right. And if you're good for... Christians do this, too, by the way. It... it Everyone, an easy out is to find an abstract way to be good. You know, it says in one of the epistles written by the Apostle John that uh, it's easier to love your neighbor whom you know than to love God. And Christian, every time you talk to a Christian, I go, well, that's not really true. I mean, my neighbor's kind of a jerk. My brother's kind of a jerk. But of course I love God. And I said, well, you don't. I mean, God himself in the epistle mm-hmm. says that you don't. Mm-hmm. You say that you do because you've abstracted a God that you can love more than your brother whom you know. You've created a God to love who approves of you and who doesn't have anything that you disapprove of. Your neighbor, your brother who you know, has all kinds of crap that you don't approve of. And so you see, like, it's very easy to give money to African missionary work or African charities or to save the whales or to save the environment. These are ways of abstracting your way out of having to deal with the messy reality of the world. If you really care about people, you interact with those actual people and try to make their make improvements into their lives, right?
3: Yeah, I would actually agree with that. And I would go as far as to say when somebody says that they love God, but they hate the people around them, don't do anything to improve their circumstances, either material yep. or spiritually, that person really worships themselves because their vision of God is just, it, it, as you said, something abstract that caters <laughs> to all of their particular desires. One thing that I think our society has really lost is people are not focused as much on what is near to them. They want to solve problems on the other side of the world. That's a huge part of progressive politics. Politics. In fact, you could argue it's the only part of progressive politics, is to defer responsibility elsewhere. Historically, people understood you were supposed to love those closest to you, care for your family first and foremost, and then you started to worry about the people around you. Now it's the exact opposite. I can treat my family horribly, but as long as I am theoretically good to someone on the other side of the world, I'm a good person, even though my entire social life is a complete failure. The
0: uh, greatest psychologist of our time has a statement
3: jordan peterson you have to clean your
0: room man <laughs> but but that's that's, that's exactly dirty. the meme the meme is Watch you off. can't change the world if you can't even get your own life in order yeah yep. but i, I want to point something else out too um well also when, when i'm when i'm looking at this article from defector yep. and they're holding up a sign saying F U ben ish Piro," like just cussing at him i think to myself i don't i don't recall seeing conservatives holding up signs Saying "Fu Jenk Uger or I, I, to be fair, obviously sometimes they do, but yeah. it's kind of a common occurrence among the left to hate and to hate without trying to understand. Yeah. So I was I am mm. thinking about Daryl Davis. He's been working with uh, Bill Otman over at Minds. They want to de radicalize extremists, not de platform them. It's one of the things they're working on. And Daryl Davis, you know, he's the guy who went to Klan meetings, a black man, and just talked to these people to try and understand them, ends up de radicalizing them. It's fascinating because. When I see how the, the modern left, the activist left, not like regular run-of-the-mill, you know, Democrat voters, they're, you know, mostly just regular people aren't paying attention maybe. Yep. But these activists just, they hate, they hate so much. It's the weirdest thing that Glenn Beck can tell Dave Rubin, I disagree with you and I think what you're doing is wrong, but I love you. Yep. And what do they say? They say, F you, Ben-ish, Pirro. I'm like, man, Glenn Beck tells the people he disagrees with that he loves them. They tell you they hate you.
1: I don't understand why anybody would, would want to be a part of that. Well this is the problem with dogma and ideology and politics is that they allow you not to have to actually engage with the world as it is. You're only required to engage with the world uh, sort of as you perceive it juxtaposed against a code of your essentially of your own making. And people can say, well no, my dogma is is 2000 years old or my dogma is uh, well as you know comes straight from Athens or whatever it is, but the truth is uh if, if you're a person who can't engage in reality then your dogma is an abstract. Your dogma is just a reflection of things that you want, and it's a way of, to your point, mitigating responsibility for the actual people around you. You know, you. I, I've thought a little bit about our. our I, I actually was about to say something that I had committed not to say on the air, so I'm not going to say it. Nice work, thank you. Uh, it's it's rare that I make a good decision. If I just made a good decision, <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but it, it's so it's so important. You know, God, if you're going to believe in God or the godlike alien who actually made the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, sure. you well, well, there's <laughs> a whole conversation there. Yeah. Yeah, you you actually have to believe, like God has to be the God of reality. I, I, I took a friend, <laughs> 10 years ago, I'm I, I married uh, to a woman. I never talked, and I won't say her name or talk about her too much, but I will tell you this funny story that uh, I, I took a friend's future in-laws out to a movie 10 years ago. And the first thing that, that his future mother-in-law said to me after the movie was, I said, oh, did you enjoy the movie? And she goes, well, I don't really like movies. I said, oh, great. Uh, and she said, uh, uh, you know, you, you and your wife are married. I said, yeah, we've been married a short amount of time. She said, well, you know, in God's eyes, she's still married to her first husband. Mm. And, and I said, oh, well, God must be an idiot. Wrong. <laughs> because that's not true. Like, but that's it is. not, that is not reality. God has to be the God of reality not the God of an abstract fantasy. But I think,
3: so I would argue as a Christian that it's an abstract fantasy that you can divorce and remarry if it was a legitimate marriage in the first place. Because one of the definitions of marriage is that it's a lifelong commitment until death do you part.
4: But what would you argue as a Seamus? As a
3: Seamus? I mean, that's my belief. Do you you
4: actually believe it or do you just believe that the Christians believe it?
3: No, I believe it. I mean, I believe, I, I think most Christians don't believe it unfortunately I, I i think a lot of christians have abandoned that it's not a popular teaching anymore i suppose you could
4: define the word marriage meaning to mix mm-hmm. so if you're going to mix your soul with something if there is a god if there's an energy field there's no can, unmixing that soul that's a good point
0: well, well but,
4: no, yeah, there's no there's no there's no un, un- unsaluting a, a solution but i think you can reverse a mixture if
0: you mix mm-hmm. red and blue paint together you ain't getting them back out
4: mm-hmm.
1: right yeah i mean that, that does, I know, that's it's a, a meaningless analogy I, and no so I, 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 I think you're yeah. onto it though yeah, well, let's let's no, let's. I, I, I'll I'll push back on that just a little bit. Sure, God's the God of reality. Divorce Absolutely. exists in the Bible. Uh, that's not a recommendation of divorce, which mm-hmm. is a horrible, terrible thing. Um, but the the idea that God lives in a sort of abstract where things are as they should be. How far back do you? How far back do you take that? Essentially, if that's the case, then God still lives in Eden before the fall happened. God still lives in a place where people haven't been living in sin, where people haven't been making mistakes. Where none of the sort of causality, you know, n- none of the eventualities that came from that causality of sin have ever occurred, and God is abstracted out of being the God of actual people in an actual place, in an actual time. Uh, the God of the the God of the Bible, in my estimation, is a God uh, who actually took on sin and took on the consequences of sin on Himself in Christ. As a result of that, He becomes God of a, of a reality that's uh, he, he becomes God of the people who have existed in reality, not just the people who could have existed. In the abstract, So I just think that any time that we used – see, this is a great example. Mm -hmm. That's a a place where we use sort of a dogma or an ideology to deny a reality that's right in front of us. I think you see it a lot with what's happening in in Ukraine right now, by the way, where uh, regardless of your opinion about NATO expansion, regardless of your opinion about uh, the merits of Zelensky, regardless of your opinion about a lot of things like Vladimir Putin actually did invade Ukraine, and Ukraine did not want to be invaded. And you see a lot of people left and right, but particularly on the right, who are almost in denial – about that situation because it doesn't line up with their political point of view they have a political point of view uh that um that ukraine shouldn't have done certain things or 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 that uh putin was more friendly to the west than he actually turned out to be or that friend or that putin was a better representative even you even hear people on the right right now saying that putin was a better representative of christianity because he built a cathedral you know at at one point in time or something and then actual reality takes place in front of them they have a very hard time pivoting to accept it mm-hmm. because it's because it's out of line with their expectations based on how they thought the world should be yeah, yeah Hitler I, I was Time just man of, of the year
4: at uh, at yeah, yeah. Hitler was yes. Times and they the did year. appease him
3: for a long time so i i, I hear some of what you're saying and I, I agree with some of what you're saying but i would say where we definitely disagree is that i would argue that god having moral prescriptions for us that we ourselves do not live up to does not mean that he's over-abstracted or or doesn't govern our reality because it's actually Christ in Scripture who who says... What, uh, God has, has brought together, let no man put asunder, and, and anyone who leaves their husband
1: commits adultery, etc. The challenge- he, he also says if you have lust in your heart, you are an adulterer. Yeah, you're you not, on the, you're not on the path to adultery, you're not Agreed. kind of like an adulterer if you really think about it. Agreed. Yeah, you are one. I wonder yeah, absolutely. If, you're, if you're in a marriage absolutely. and you're
4: thinking about having sex with another woman, yeah. does that make you cheating on your wife?
3: Yes, that's adultery
4: of the heart. That's crazy, how do you control your thought, like you gotta learn to control your thoughts.
3: Yeah, absolutely, custody of the thoughts, I mean nothing happens in the world that didn't first happen in the human heart. Well, yeah, let's-, let's...
1: I, I, I would actually disagree, I think the entire purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is to get us out of these abstractions. It's to con- it's to bring the full weight of condemnation. To- it's so that no one can claim not to be an adulterer, not so that we can also try to figure out how to not commit adultery in our heads. I, so I would absolutely
3: agree that people should not be sitting here, and it is certainly not my, not my claim to say that I am not a sinner or that I have not committed adultery of the heart, etc. It's simply to say that I don't believe recognizing that negates the moral precepts that, that Christ put forward.
0: These are very profound moral, ethical, and religious questions mm-hmm. that are very difficult to uh, to get into, especially, you know, we could talk a bit more about it, I suppose, in the members-only segment if you guys want to get into the, the core of it, because I love having these conversations. Mm-hmm. But... When you got into Ukraine, I was like, let's 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 segue, yeah. you know, and then it's like it gets pulled back into the philosophical. They need razors wall. in Ukraine, let's talk they about do, it. Let's they do, they do. <laughs> so here basically more this, than ever. this is me navigating a very hard segue back <laughs> yeah. to this topic right. which we had pulled up, which is Biden warning of real food shortages, uh, food shortage risk over Russia's invasion into Ukraine. We've been hearing murmurs about this, but it's very obvious. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. They produce mm-hmm. wheat. Russia exports fertilizer. We're no longer able to buy that fertilizer for the most part. The prices are skyrocketing, which means the spring planting season will be limited. And that also means the fall harvest will be severely stunted. So you can expect to see food shortages here and in Europe. And Biden is warning about it. Yep. I think well, there's a couple things to point out. One is... That Biden has basically said we're going to – what did he say? We're going to disseminate food shortages around the world?
2: Yeah. What a
0: ridiculous thing to say. Sounds like a Biden thing to say. Yeah. But people will be like what he really meant was we're going to disseminate food around the world. Well, you don't know what he meant. He he said he's going to make food shortages worse. The other thing is this is the direct result of a lack of culture coming from the right because politics is downstream from culture, as Andrew Breitbart said. And when you get a 2020 – in which every channel, every movie, every media outlet is all screaming orange man bad. It lights people up to get out there. And I I always bring up the story, man, people I know who have no business in politics. I certainly think they have a right to be, but these are people who couldn't tell you what the Supreme Court was, how many justices it has, or even name a single member of Congress going out and voting. Why? Because their media and their culture tells them what to do. Now we're seeing the ramifications of this. Joe Biden as president is not responsible for every crisis we're dealing with, but he's certainly a bad leader who said he's going to be disseminating food shortages. <laughs> now we get to experience those food shortages. It so was a promise. Yeah. Because to that stop was. literal Hitler, you would elect anyone. Yep. <laughs> it looks like the
4: actual quote is, uh, we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly
1: food shortages.
2: <laughs> That's a great <laughs> quote.
1: That's our Biden. you ever... <laughs> No, what? just makes it just makes me contemplate time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> time. Yes, the passage of time. The passage of time. Yeah. Well, just, what is time? Uh, imagine oh, are we guessing gonna... this
3: situation five years ago. Like, yeah, we're gonna have these food shortages, and the president's gonna <laughs> go. Oh, he's gonna d- distribute the food shortages. Or <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, imagine being Donald Trump speaking at a rally and saying, "If you vote for Joe Biden, you're gonna have your
1: gas prices are gonna go way up. The economy is gonna be bad, and you get freaking fact checked and shut down on." Facebook for saying it probably at the time yeah you got missing spot. context they would have said mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah no
0: for sure I remember uh, this one fact checker someone quote tweeted me because I talked about Bill Clinton and Epstein's plane and they fact checked it as false when you click the fat, fact check it's it explained in great detail how I was correct yeah they it's it's the most insane thing they, they, they did it to Josh Hawley uh, PolitiFact did it where they were like Josh Hawley says that you know Judge Jackson was lenient to let's just say child abusers very extreme child abusers and they were like mostly false. And then you scroll down, it's like, well it's true, she was lenient to these people. Mm. It isn't a, a, a uh, it, it isn't out of the ordinary for Everyone's judges to be doing lenient. It. And it's like yeah. did he say it wasn't? He just mm-hmm. gave a fact. So well, this is the reality of where you're at when your cultural institutions are dominated by a cult and by people who are, are intent on just controlling the system, even if it, even if it means burning it to the ground.
1: Yeah, the institutions in this country were always the real bulwark against uh, state, incrosion, uh, st- state intrusion into our lives, right? You had the states actually created the federal government so that they're like the ultimate pre-federal institution. You had the church, which was one of the most important institutions in the country. You had other institutions, though, corporate America, I think the – probably the the it's unpleasant to say but like probably the institution that mattered the most in many ways uh, as a bulwark against state power you had uh, the family the ultimate institution and Mm. what the left has done over the since the 60s is they've infiltrated every one of those institutions since the state automatically essentially desires what the left desires a a state the natural state of a state is to grow its power over the individual uh, which is a which is a left-wing goal since that is the truth when when the left takes over all the institutions that allowed uh the the people to essentially it solves the collective action problem of the people in defending their rights against the state once once the institutions are on the left, the institutions immediately essentially become an arm of the state and you see that with all these fact checkers you know i, I actually I have a soft spot for fa for facebook I mean Daily Wire has been the number one publisher in the world on Facebook fifteen months in a row wow uh, yeah. we, we do really well on Facebook. Uh, I think Mark Zuckerberg, if you were to talk to him personally, wouldn't see himself as a guy who has taken voices away from so many people. He would see himself as the guy who's given a voice to a billion people. Mm-hmm. Uh, nevertheless, the institution that he's created because, you know, 30,000 people at Facebook all walk in lockstep uh, with the left, they've become an arm of the state. And so instead of corporate America now, it's all the things we've been talking about all night, HR and all these things, instead of corporate America solving the collective issue, uh, the collective um, uh, action problem of the individual. They actually become a part of the state's power to set, to shut down the individual. And that's why you get these incredibly Orwellian expressions like fact checking. Right. How can you have a fact check that says you are mostly false, that something is mostly false, which is completely true? And what the answer is that missing context or mostly false, the piece that they say was missing or, uh, that would have, that, that created the falsehood is just their point of view. Not more information, not more fact, their point of view, missing context. If I say Joe Biden isn't a good president, you know, they will say uh, (laughs) fact check, mostly false, missing context. And you'll read the article and they'll say, well— Hyperinflation, uh, war overseas, the end of American hegemony, gas prices through the roof, food shortages, uh, food shortages yeah. are being disseminated around the globe. Uh, but other presidents have been bad. And and I, no, I, they I would know say Joe
3: this. Biden actually promised to disseminate those food shortages. So he's keeping his campaign promises. <laughs> he he's did. a good yeah, president.
0: Right. Let me ask you. We've had we've had a few people on the show. We recently had uh, um, a, a more middle of the road guy on the show. And uh, sometimes we hear this from the from the moderates that, uh, you know, oh, the both sides things. I think both yep. sides have their problems or whatever. My response to this is like, look man, I I I personally have never been this staunch conservative guy. I've actually when I was younger, I w- went to Catholic school up until I was in 6th grade, then I went like anarcho punk rock, hang out with these hardcore like lefties. Yep. And then eventually kind of just found a middle of the road place. But when you have I love going through the list of stories, Covington kids, Russia gate, Ukraine gate, Jesse Smollett, uh Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin Lie, 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 lie over and over again. At a certain point, why aren't these people being like, I was lied to. I shouldn't listen anymore. You know, you've, you've got these fact checkers who come out yep. and they fact check stories that later turn out like the Hunter Biden laptop. All the fact checkers. It didn't later out, turn out to be it true. Was it was always true. true. Was right. true. <laughs> they always so. knew that it was true. So how, how like what's your view on this? Yeah. Look, I talk about I call it a cult all the time. We call it this we call them the city ur- urban liberal types. Sorry, uh, yep. people living in cities, but you're the cult. And uh, I don't, what are your thoughts on this? Why Are they faking it? Are they lying? Are they just stupid?
1: I agree that it's a cult uh, to some degree. I mean, the, it, it looks like a cult if it looks like a cult, right? And smells like a cult. But I think that Andrew Clavin talks about this from time to time. I, I, I'm loath to agree with Andrew Clavin on anything. <laughs> but on, on just this one thing, he, he did christen me the God King. So on these two things, <laughs> I agree with Andrew. Everything we're living through right now is because we as a species – have not evolved to under, to know what to do with the internet. You know, the, the Protestant Reformation in many ways was a reaction to the advent of the printing press. That, it, it seems funny to us so far down the road from the printing press. The printing press was such a remarkable leap forward in technology for human beings. Suddenly there was information available to everyone that formerly had only been available to the very, very elite few. And, To come to grips with that took two generations and a war that that wiped out millions of people in Europe, like uh, that ripped the church asunder, that ripped the world order asunder. They printed words on paper, and the Protestant Reformation happened basically as a result. And it's always that way when you have these moments of you know. In many ways, uh, World War One was a reaction to the industrial revolution when there's these enormous leaps forward in technology people don't know what to do with it it takes a generation or two the the internet literally rewires our brains it has it has biological uh, uh r- ramifications we have so much information more information than any human being knows what to do with we have not solved how to take in all that information how to sort through all of that information how to come to conclusions and so what we've done is we the same thing we did when the printing press happened. We've just become more tribal. Since I, I can't sort through all the information, I have to believe that Tim knows how to sort through the information. I have to believe that Jordan Peterson knows how to sort through the information. I have to believe that Ben Shapiro knows how to sort through the information. I have to believe. And the problem with that is some of the sorters are better than others. Mm. I was wondering, uh, you know, Joe Biden recently came out
0: and said uh, he—, he he uh, referenced the fourth, ter- the fourth turning, the Strassau generational theory. Are mm-hmm. you familiar, I, mm-hmm. I imagine? He said, you know, between 1900 and 1946, you know, what do you say? 60 million people died. Yeah. There, then there was a liberal world order. There will be a new world order. I was wondering, we, we, we talked a bit about how we, how we brought that up. But I thought to myself, why was it that so many people died between 1900 and uh, 1946? You know, what was the catalyst for these emergent ideologies that, that, that opposed each other so, so, so fiercely? And I wonder if it was radio. All of a sudden Big we got time. serialized yeah. radio programs, radio news. Mm-hmm.
4: Hitler used mass media. Exactly. That was how he became Hitler. So imagine
0: that we know. You are the average person and there's a handful of newspapers. The newspapers mostly homogenize to maximize profits, so they may have slightly differing views or they might be yellow it might be yellow journalism, but for the most part your information moves slowly, so radicalization is slow. Along comes radio, which is more rapid. It's on, you know, frequently and there's multiple channels with different perspectives. Now, they're finding new audiences because they have more opportunity to send out those messages in real mm. time. I wonder if that played a big role in radicalization, which, you know, give or take 10, 20, 30 years results in major clashes and war.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, it's actually a good thing. Most humans don't have time to, to just live reading the internet and reading mm. the news and sifting through the news. And sort of They're they're busy working for a living. They're busy raising their kids. And so they, they need people to help them with this fire hose of information that now comes our way. And yeah i'm sure radio was very similar i'm sure i know the printing press was one thing i'll say to to bring it full circle to my conversation about why conservatives tend not to build the future it's because yes perhaps the second world war was a result of radio perhaps the explosion in in the isms fascism socialism communism uh anarchism maybe it was all a result of radio i think that's a really compelling theory that you bring up uh Conservatives did get around to being on the radio though in nineteen eighty. So I just wanna <laughs> I just wanna say after sixty million people were uh, killed because on, of radio yeah. uh, a generation later we got some.
3: No, I, I think it's an interesting point and conservatives have done a very poor job keeping up with mass communication with the artistic fields I mean you look historically so much of the beautiful art that we see in the West was basically commissioned by the Catholic Church nowadays I mean what fraction of media does the Catholic Church let alone any group you'd call conservative in general control it's a very small proportion and I think part of that could just be the nature of the way people who tend to be more uh, quote unquote progressive are willing to experiment with new technology you were sort of discussing the fact that conservative investors would be Less likely to put money into an app that they can't see a direct utility in the way a left wing person might be capable of. I'm not sure, but I I also think when we talk about left wing people today, we're not really talking about the left wing of 20 years ago, even though they have similar ideological roots. Because I think many of them today wouldn't invest in these sorts. Healthy society
1: needs a healthy needs healthy liberals. Mm. The reason conservatives don't conservatives have never made art ever. The Catholic Church didn't make any art. It bought art hmm. from much more liberal people, like Michelangelo. Well, that li- a healthy society has healthy liberals. <coughs> An unhealthy society has ascendant leftists. What, that's a that's a big difference. I'd have to think why about don't, that.
0: It's why do we make gargoyles anymore? Yeah, let's bring we're it we're back. We're, no, no, no. Like, you, I, we should make some. Put them
3: around the. the, I'm, the I'm totally yeah. doing no, yeah. it. No, 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 Joe. Large gargoyles. We,
0: we have a, we have a lot of work and expansion we're doing. I'm getting gargoyles do because it. you look at all of these, and I'm half kidding about gargoyles but you look at modern construction and it's like glass steel boxes That's right, yeah. there there's no there's no art or, mm. or inspiration and then i'm thinking about a lot of the a lot of churches and a lot of older buildings gargoyles and i'm like that sounds kind of like a, if somebody was a fan of the lord of the rings they'd be like i'm building a house i'm going to put a gargoyle you
4: got to have it. tubes out of their mouth that shoot fire though
0: Oh yeah, they're this just like at will a, you can push the button. I don't know if that's legal but we See, can that, certainly have it spray water. Maybe more, just have it
1: shoot electricity or something. You're more conservative than I thought because that's a very practical <laughs> that's not a non-artistic practical thing that you just uh, that you just suggested. You
4: know regarding the fire hose of information you're talking about with the internet, I would love to be able to understand all the information on the internet without having to read it or watch it. So neural I'm thinking link. of Neuralink. Mm. It's it's a bit esoteric cuz it hasn't come out yet, and I wonder if it's like we invented the fire hose but we don't have any of the the mechanism to 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 control it, really, or, or think very, about,
0: very rudimentary? Think about how crazy it's going to be. When, of course, it has its own problems. So they, they actually refer to all the tweets on Twitter as the firehose. Yeah. You know, so if you want to access the API for certain information or whatever, and some companies do it to site. Like, there, there's so much information on Twitter. I got to tell you, they I, I would be willing to bet the, the, the Twitter firehose has been plugged into an AI a long time ago, and it's like... Calculate, it knows everything happening, it's an oracle at this point. I should
4: also specify, I don't know if I want to see everything on the internet because the mind can get oh, warped yeah. by crazy, but, but, look, 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 violence this and Real blown. quick,
0: um you, through Twitter's information with everyone posting things, just think about what happens in New York City mm-hmm. when a, uh, let's say a Transformer explodes. Instantly you're gonna have 3,000 tweets all saying, I heard this explosion. Instantly, Those with access to the geolocation data are going to know exactly where all of those people are. Instantly, the AI is going to be able to get this circle on a map of all these people saying they heard an explosion and then be able to triangulate where the explosion was basically based on how many people are tweeting about it. They'll know exactly where that is instantly. Mm -hmm. Think about anything in that regard that people might talk about, be it a storm, be it a flood. There's going to be AI that has access to this firehouse. Now, what happens when you plug into the metaverse and they can download that rapid information people will become like i don't know man what people will become but you'll just know everything all at once and that's that's it's going to be an experience i'll tell you that you need well, to see I, the, this is the funny code. because
3: you you made this point earlier about how it, it's good that most people can't just sit online and consume information all day and We have this saying, right? People joke about going outside and touching grass. It's like, all right, bro, you're too (laughs) online. There's this idea of being terminally on the internet to the point where you just can no longer recognize and contend with reality. And so if people do get plugged into that point, my goodness, I don't even know what political ideology they'll have because some 14-year-old will spend hours and hours and hours online and end up in more and more bizarre esoteric corners
0: of the political internet and claim that that's their view. This is happening. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with this. We've talked about it quite a bit. Uh, are you familiar with, um, Elsa Gate? No. So this was something that happened, uh, about four or five years ago, where YouTube was inundated with people dressing up like Elsa from Frozen, mm. Spider-Man, oh, yeah. the Joker, and then, uh, so it was these weird videos with no length, uh, with like no speaking, just music, and the Joker would chase Elsa and Spider-Man would save her. And it was because algorithmically those characters generated a lot of hits and recommendations. <laughs> so people made content for children, but this began to devolve. Eventually the people who made the content many of these people realized it's babies watching this stuff babies can't change the channel it's the autoplay feeding the content so they used computer programs to procedurally generate content with these keywords you ended up with videos that were very bizarre like uh there's one video one of the most notable in this space was a uh, Adolf Hitler but his his body is a woman in a bikini doing tai chi as some Indian family sings finger family nursery rhyme and the incredible Hulk is also like, you know, doing like some kind of boxing maneuver. The reason was it didn't matter what the content of the video was. It, would, uh, it didn't matter. All that matter was the keywords were in it. Nursery rhyme, finger family, the Hulk, for some reason, Hitler, I guess. These things were shocking and generated recommendations. Children grew up watching this stuff. Mm-hmm. So when, when Ian said, I'm sorry, when Seamus is talking about their warped perspective. We are going to have twelve. We, we probably have it now. Ten-year-olds who are unsupervised on the internet, watching the craziest stuff you've, you've ne- you'll never understand. Abstract nonsense of you know the Incredible Hulk and Hitler dancing together. And when those people grow up, they're going to have insane views that make no sense because when we grew up, we're older, right? Shame. I think Seamus is the youngest person. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't know. He's, yeah, he's the youngest person here. Twenty-seven. So today. My, happy birthday. My Thank my you. parents had, were living in reality. All of our parents were living in reality, Mm -hmm. even with Seamus being the youngest person. But what about one of these kids who's 10 years old today when they have their first kid and the values they transfer down to those children are telling the great story of Hitler's uh, female, female Hitler's Tai Chi against the Hulk as their as their story or whatever? Like these these things are going to be wired into their brain. When Mm -hmm. I was a little kid, the things that were wired wired into my brain were Superman, you know, Mm -hmm. Batman, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Those values carry forward if little kids are being are developing around psychotic algorithmic nonsense yep they're just going to be insane when i just in typed 20s. in
4: elsa gate too to get a look and i mean there's some crazy A girl drinking a beer like a baby drinking a beer yep. with a Spider-Man. yo there's
0: elsa yeah. gate had had cartoons on youtube of little kids drinking urine this is like
4: r rated content it's disgusting in the guise stuff. of no, a cartoon
3: yeah. uh, i actually know someone who told me that their child came across content on the internet that was supposed to be peppa pig And it was actually Peppa Pig describing some extremely violent things and actually basically telling the
1: kids to do violent things.
3: Very disturbing. Very disturbing.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that's missing in our culture now is cultural literacy. Mm. And it's not a topic that gets discussed much. It probably should be discussed a lot more. That when we were kids, uh, the the Western canon, which which a canon is important because it's essentially a set of stories and ideas that we all share. Uh, The Western canon was baked into all of the fiction that we ingested. Mm-hmm. So I learned the the famous story of uh, of Tom Sawyer convincing his friends to whitewash the fence, right? That's right. I learned that from Looney Tunes. I yeah. didn't learn it from reading Huck Finn. You couldn't, you know, a, a seven-year-old can't read Huck Finn, but a seven-year-old could watch Looney Tunes. I learned about classical music from Looney Tunes. You know, I, I think that, that that idea that we have a shared heritage, that we have a shared, fic- even a fictional, a legendary uh, heritage, you know, the, the stories that we all know, uh, is completely gone. And to your point, I, I think we are already seeing the results of it. There's never been a generation with more psychoses. Oh, yeah. Than young people today, right? I mean. I think it's going to get substantially it's worse. It's going to get people substantially worse. People yep. don't
0: understand. we we've, we've been,
1: uh, I've been kind of
0: obsessed with talking about the metaverse just mm-hmm. because I've been, you know, it's, there's, there's I, I read news, I read politics, I read culture and all of these cultural stories that keep popping up just lead me to the singularity. You know, that, that's what I think people call it. Alex Jones calls it that mm-hmm. the metaverse is a path towards this, you know, unification of man and machine or whatever. It's a Ray
4: Kurzweil thing. You know?
0: Yeah. So the one, one of the things I mentioned was that a lot of what we're experiencing in, in, in the culture war with the transgender issue is actually, um, due to technological advancement. Now, I'm not making a social commentary on this. I'm making a, t- a scientific one. When we isolated hormones and then in the 1960s started creating hormone therapies, This led to a a sort of understanding of what hormones can do to the body, which leads leads us to the 90s, where hormone replacement therapy becomes more popular, which results to, in the 90s, you now have prominent adults who have underwent or undergone hormone replacement therapy, now sharing those ideas and expanding that idea. Uh, Again, not a social commentary, a scientific one. If the debate we're having now, because of the existence and the isolation and creation of hormones and that technology has resulted in this culture war debate, what will happen when we start shifting into metaverse spaces, Mm. when we're plugging our brains in or virtual reality to go to work? Already on Twitter, many people use cartoon avatars or animals as their as their profile picture. What happens if we really do? And I think we will get to that point where we have our business meetings in a high-res metaverse. And someone shows up to work, and it's Tony the Tiger or some giant ostrich, and they and they say you can't discriminate on me but on oh, uh, as how on how I choose to represent myself in the metaverse mm-hmm. environment. So right now, if you look at New York City's human rights law pertaining to gender identity, uh, it's specifically defined as self-expression. No joke, literally, it's mm-hmm. defined as self-expression. Yeah. And uh, I, I this is something I've t- I, I I actually and you're
1: literally not expressing yourself.
3: <laughs>
0: it's true. Well, I mean, oh. yeah, you're no, it's true. Well, so, 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 uh, uh, I covered the story and I, and I actually called the city and I called some lawyers to, to, to get some understanding on this. This was back in, I think, 2018. It was, uh, New York announced that they had 31 genders in their, in their public listing. So, their human rights law specifically says, if you are in any of these categories of gender or gender identity, you are a protected class. If anyone discriminates against you, it's a $125,000 fine. If they willfully discriminate, it's a $250,000 fine. So I looked into the law and it said gender identity is defined as self-expression. They can't discriminate against you based on your name or the way you dress. So I called several human rights lawyers and I asked them for an understanding of this. And I said, how, how can a workplace determine what is reasonable or not in terms of someone's name and expression and clothing? And they said, well, we all know what's reasonable. A judge knows what's reasonable. That's why judges exist. If you go into their courtroom with something unreasonable, they'll tell you you're unreasonable and it doesn't, it doesn't fit the law. And I said, okay, what if someone went to Starbucks and they told the person, you know, I want to work here. They get hired. But on their first day, they show up in a full wolf costume with, with like lifts. So they're six foot five. And they say that their name is Volciferon, Herald of the Winter Mists. You can't discriminate on the basis of my name or my clothing. The lawyer, uh, I was told this by several lawyers. They all said, Good luck going into a courtroom and telling a judge that you are Volciferon and they need to allow you to wear a wolf costume in Starbucks. And I said, would not the same thing apply to a man wearing women's clothing whose legal name is John saying his name is Jane? Why would the judge have the discretion to determine whether or not it falls within the, 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 the legal definition of self-expression? Because if you're telling me that someone can't choose to be a furry, and furries exist and they and you know I don't think they're all calling themselves falsiferon but they have you know specific names and costumes why would a a transgender person be afforded rights that another person in a similar fashion would not be and they had no answer for me other than we think a judge would find it unreasonable and then I I said wouldn't it stand a reason then you could appeal and say any judge could find a transgender person unreasonable and that would create very serious problems based on this, this, this human rights law that's where I think we're headed now once we get into the metaverse You're going to see that very same thing happen you're going to be you're going to be around people who say i am a carrot this is my identity identify as carrot and you won't be able to fire them or or admonish them you'll have to just say um you know robo is a carrot he works here
4: you might be able to make it so no one else can see the
0: carrot when they're in the boardroom but they only see the base avatar or something i don't i don't i don't know about that um That would, that would be like saying if a protected class of any, of any type, gender, race, national origin came to a workplace, you could cover them up so none of the employee, none of the customers could see
4: them. You could say like, you can express yourself however you want, but you can't make me see you. That's up to me
0: whether or not I see you. Tough questions, man, because they're saying in workplaces you have to use pronouns. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting because one of the points you made was that somebody said, well, good luck getting in front of a judge and having them take that argument seriously. I don't think you need luck. It's possible you just need a couple of years because our <clears throat> our social structures are shifting so quickly yeah. that even going to court as a transgender person right and saying I am a um a woman trapped in a man's body, you're discriminating against me if you don't acknowledge that. I mean 20, 30 years ago a judge would have said that's absolutely
1: absurd, absolutely. but today they wouldn't. Right? Wait, this is actually why things are moving so quickly that even we can't carry on a a real conversation about real about what's actually occurring mm. when when any of us sit at a table and we talk about the trans issue we still use terms like men and women we still think fundamentally if a man says that he's a woman if a man named John walks into Starbucks and says I'm a woman and we think that that's what the trans conversation is really about but when you read statistics like 40% of kids now are trans or whatever these crazy statistics are they're not having conversations about being men men trapped in women's bodies they're having conversations that are so far beyond that it's not; it's not always the furry conversation. But to your point, there are thirty-three, there are seventy-two, there are forty. The, this, this the is, number of genders. It's sort of like when when conservative parents say, "Oh, I can put my kid in college." You know, it was liberal when I was there, and I came out just fine. And you are like, you have no idea what's actually happening on a college campus right now. This, this is yep. exactly my point. That um,
0: because of the nineties and the technological advancement around HRT, thirty years later, we're having a conversation around transgender issues. Mm-hmm. But kids today, they're talking about you know other kin. Are you familiar That's with other right, kin? Yes. People who think they're mythical beasts or mythical animals. And when it comes to the metaverse, this won't be a question. It they may be, will be. They will be. And give it 50 years. If we're neural linked into alternate realities and digital realities, a lot of the work, the work we're doing right now could be held in a metaverse space with high quality microphones mm-hmm. and ultra high you know, ultra, you know, 10K, 12K video. We could we don't have to be sitting in the same room or fly people out. We could all put on our headsets. And then people will watch a video of us in a room together. Isn't that crazy? They'll so sit in the that, room. But but yeah, it. exactly. I was going to say, exactly. someone to place themselves they in the sure. chair. And you know what's funny is 10 years ago, I pitched this to Vice. I pitched it to Fusion. I said, we do a show okay. where in one chair, it's a 360, um, um, what's the, what's the word? Binocular, um, what's the word? I just call it camera. Stereoscopic. Oh, cool. Yeah. Stereoscopic 360 <laughs> view, which allows you to see, like, you're actually there. But the resolution was really bad, but we could still try it. That's coming. Oh, yeah. Now, if you get to the point where you can actually have full sensory feedback, like Neuralink would, would, allow, would potentially allow you to do, if we can actually wire a brain, people are literally going to be like, in this space, I am Volsiferon, the wolf lord of, you know, the, the Arboral Forest. And you'll be watching a show of a giant wolf creature and it will look like reality. And the wolf will be like, I take issue with the president's anti-wolf policies. <laughs> and people are going to be like, wow, it must be crazy being a wolf.
1: Yeah. And then and, that person and, will become a CEO. Yeah, oh. And the boomers will still be presidents in real life. They'll they'll still run the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I think what you're saying is right, but I do want to challenge us a little bit. It is the nature of, uh, it is the nature of contrarians to, and the nature of conservatives. Uh, not that I want to label you all as that contrarians though. to look at the future and only see the worst things that can happen, and the worst things that can happen will happen. Well hold on, I'm no. not suggesting that those things won't occur. You're right, they will occur. See so this is a
0: point I was making with a, with a few other people. Me describing the potential future through the metaverse is not a moral statement, good or bad about it. Mm-hmm. It's just something I see as a potential but you do see it as something bad uh,
1: yeah and I, and I think that the potential that you're outlining some version of it will come to pass it's an, it's not that it's not that when we look ahead and say oh you know we're gonna have to be in business meetings with with Volsiferon, that we're wrong we probably that is one of the things that will occur uh, everything that people put their hands to because because people are fallen because people are broken the things that we create reflect our brokenness uh, but they don't exclusively reflect our brokenness and I think that what we have to do people in this room people who, who think in the directions that people in this room think we have to we have to be active parts of the construction of the future so that it doesn't just represent our brokenness it can also represent a lot of the good things a lot of the values that we share a lot of the things that we would like to see uh, uh expanded here's yeah. what i want you to consider too something that um, most people probably don't realize
0: if the metaverse reality comes to pass where you can choose your identity Mm-hmm. You, Jeremy, will be sitting at a Daily Wire meeting. You'll have hired a young man named, you know, Ricky Smith. Mm-hmm. But when he shows up on the first first day in the metaverse, he looks identical to you and he says, My name is Jeremy. This is my identity. And if you were tallied against me because of my identity, that's discrimination mm-hmm. on the basis of who I am in my name. And it's they want to be you. People don't want to be themselves. The people who look up to you, they'll just say, I'm going to be this person. The number of
1: people that. who wish that they were me. Is staggeringly so. Can you imagine <laughs> being in the metaverse, <laughs> yeah.
0: walking down the street, and then there's like ten of you, and then they look mm-hmm. at you and they're like, "You're not the real Jeremy, are you?" And you're like, "No, no, not me." Nope. And they're like, nope. "Okay."
3: Well, then the question is, do you, yeah, do you have the IP of your own likeness?
1: Because you will have, uh, have to buy a non-fungible <laughs> token of yourself. <laughs> you will like have to pay someone else for it. Someone yeah, buys this the company. Very interesting
4: because mo- uh, modern like media law when like disney has a contract with the guy playing thor whoever that what's that guy's name chris is his name chris hemsworth, Cr- chris hemsworth. hemsworth. they have yeah. him on contract saying they own his likeness in perpetuity forever in every universe henceforth which mm. means if they ever want to make a uh, a deep fake with chris hemsworth saying whatever they want they own that yo this was they the own plot. chris hemsworth's likeness now this
0: was a plot of 30 of 30 rock episode where uh jack donaghy took all of the Seinfeld episodes because they own the likeness of Jerry Seinfeld and superimposed him into other shows. So they would yeah. take it was actually and then Jerry Seinfeld finds out and he gets really mad. So we need to rewrite then, it. Oh, but just, just really really funny because I love the show. Jerry Seinfeld finds out and he's like uh, he's like I could buy your network. Ten times over, and then Jack's like, you don't have four million dollars <laughs> like <laughs> um,
4: We're gonna need to rewrite entertainment law really rapidly too because uh, I don't think corporations should own the likeness to actors anymore because of the deep fake meta-net that we're entering.
1: That's interesting. That's, that's actually a really good point. You know, I've been excited about these technological advances because of Star Trek, the animated series. Which is... It's an old one. uh wow. But here's here's the thing that occurred to me recently is that some of the best Star Trek writing... I mean, the the third season of the original series of Star Trek is garbage. The first season is some of the best sci-fi ever written. And the animated series is some of the best sci-fi that was ever written. And it occurred to me very recently... After The Next Generation. Yeah, we're moments away from them making live-action versions of Star Trek The Animated Series with the original cast. It's already their voices. They voiced the animated characters. And now a remake an animated remake would essentially be deepfake level... Reality, right? They can just make that show now,
0: and they can put Jerry Seinfeld in it,
1: and then Jerry Seinfeld will show <laughs> up.
0: Well, <let's> so <laughs> With we Romulus, we've had this. Well, let's hope, let's so it'd be end. like
4: a basic human right: is you own the IP to your likeness forever.
1: Hence, but I think there's no. an argument to be uh, made and, and, that, unless you trade it for some Ethereum, I think.
3: Yeah, that's oh, right. if yeah, you need Ethereum, now I'm not saying this is the argument I would make, but someone who is in favor of people being able to redistribute their likeness would say, "Well, you own it, therefore you have a right to sell it. So you could sell it to a network. Maybe
4: that's where you're your gonna license. get hit." So maybe with. you're not legally allowed to sell it, but maybe license mm. it for uh, a, with a sunset you know, like, clause.
0: I mean, I, I mean, just Ready Player One. Have you guys seen it? Or ready? <laughs> not? I the, mean, yeah, not the yeah, whole people. Thing, I mean. People were cartoon characters. They 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 would go into the game. and They'd make themselves whatever they wanted, you know. And in fact, in that movie, there was a, 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 one of the, one of the in-game characters, a dude, was actually a woman in real life. Yeah, mm.
1: it's not that It's it's not that like the Gnostic heresy version of the metaverse won't come to pass. It will. <laughs> it has to yeah. version but, but there but yeah. there will also be there there's also beauty to be found in the future we we have to go build it we it we are not victims of circumstance the worst thing to be as a human is someone who who perceives themselves as powerless uh perceives themselves only to be a victim of sort of the fates around them right mm-hmm. we we can go make it mm-hmm. we can make it better we can answer some of these questions in advance we can build structures that constrain some of the worst excesses that could come to pass but we won't. We'll just say thirty years later that we should have had our own. Metaverse. No, I think we will. No, we'll I've build
4: this metaverse with free software so that you can see the uh, the algorithm codes and you know if it's extracting your thoughts or not and then you'll be able to pass it off and create new meta nets that will all interoperate and you'll have like an open system
0: babies will well, be born and the doctor will say to the parents do you want the we can do the uh neural link implant today we can do it right now while your baby's in the other room and they'll say oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean truth be told what will likely happen is they'll call you on the phone and be like hello mr johnson your test tube baby was born and we did the neural link implant you can pick him up at five by click
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. The next generation is the opposite of the original series because the really? first season sucks and the third season starts to be good. I think it the gets first better season and, better was and better. awkward. No, you don't. You don't think the first yes, season I do. of the next? It introduces is, Q. That is absurd. It was awkwardly acted. I thought That, that sure. is absurd. Mm-mm. It's funny. That, that, it all start The best of both worlds is the greatest achievement in the history of television until Game of Thrones. And, <laughs> and and then, after the, be- the and after season. yeah and after the best of both worlds, it becomes a great television well, show. That's an episode, the best of both worlds. Mm, it's two episodes. Oh, mm. which one is lacutus of
0: Borg? Yeah. Oh my no. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Borg was such was good,
2: good writing episode. too. It's, yeah. um,
1: it's unbelievable. And after that, you know, they they brought the high collar in. They got the cooler phasers. They got the new yeah. model. Everything got cool. But man, those first couple seasons, it's the love boat in space. See, <laughs> I, this I love is it. this I is, is this is it. our well, Western canon. The future
3: generations need to know Star Trek. It's yeah, they Disney, did. man. Yeah. Dude, Disney's, I, I post this
0: clip because there are so many people who are naysayers. I, I'm, I'm surprised there are people who would watch a show like this but also be like, I'm not watching Star Trek. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just like, no, no, no. You don't understand. We're not talking about – wouldn't it be cool to be in a spaceship with lasers? We're talking about – Naval tradition. We're mm-hmm. talking about military officers mm-hmm. defending uh, the freedom and civil liberties mm-hmm. of individuals, going to planets where they experience terrorism. The, uh, that, that line uh, when data goes to Picard and says, I'm having trouble understanding you know, the conduct of these people. They're engaging in terrorism. And then Picard says, I do not uh, subscribe to the belief that political power is derived from the barrel of a gun. And then Data says, but if you look at history and he names like two real examples, but then fictional future examples where terror actually worked. And Picard's like, these are questions that humanity struggles with. Like, that's why yep. the show is good. Yeah, The philosophical right. well, and moral explorations. And
3: I, I was being somewhat facetious, but there is a component to the fact that Star Trek did often include the great work. So they, they reference Shakespeare. You have that's episodes right. about, you know, Greek mythology. They really included things that today most people are completely <laughs> unaware of, which is sad. But you could actually, like, learn about them from Star Trek and then start to do a deep dive because kids aren't learning it in school.
1: That's oh, right. Yeah,
4: yeah. I do have a special soft spot for like laser beams though when they like rough house with an alien you dude know what? in a costume.
1: Of I do too. One of my least favorite things about all the new iterations of Star Trek starting with the J.J. Abrams and all the way through Picard right now is that they've basically gotten rid of phasers and everything's just a Star Wars style blaster now. Phasers yeah. to stun, mm. man. They, they and, call and them they were... phasers, but they don't have beams. They're like little bolts. But they, were,
0: they were little clickers. The, uh, in mm-hmm. the next generation, they were miniaturized
1: little clickers, they would just point, which would be very difficult to aim. Oh yeah, you have. couldn't. I think every time I watch The Next Generation, I just think, you just killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see. Like, what is this? I wonder if they one aim themselves. The that, uh, yeah. Well, one of the, the things future. that was, was positive about it, and the, the
3: reason uh, my dad used to watch it with us as kids is because his view, he told us when we got older, was that it was very much a positive influence because they would exhaust every peaceful option they could, but they would still fight when they had to. So it wasn't completely pacifist, but they were all about seeking the nonviolent solution when possible.
4: And they didn't yeah. hesitate in the face of 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 threat. They would exactly. fight immediately. They, they would they...
3: fight when they needed to.
4: Yeah. Oh, man. The, the original is... series
1: was so pro-American. That I, I grew up in the next generation. I love the next generation, right? I'm a sucker for all Star Trek. Uh, but the original series is like morally and philosophically so much better Because it's deeper and richer. It was at the height of real sci-fi, especially the first season and a half, where they really were asking all these questions for the first time. Mm. And you have these episodes where, like, Captain Kirk will beam down to a planet that is utopia. Everyone there has all the food they can eat. They have—it never rains. You know, there's no hail. There's no weather. Everything is perfect. And he'll look around and say— This place is crap. I'm gonna go, (laughs) I'm gonna go destroy the computer that has made you all mental slaves. And he'll go, he'll ruin their utopia to set them free. And you, you talk about things you can't do on television now. Mm -hmm. You could never say that utopia is bad because people aren't free. That's so true. That's That's interesting. So this is what people have pointed out.
0: Have you been following the new Picard? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I I don't think I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, I I Mm -hmm. didn't even bother. I I didn't mind season one of Picard um but season 2 for those that aren't aware is about uh, you know what is it the 2022s or whatever the 2020 yeah, yeah. 20, 2022 or whatever 2024 20 well uh, so the star trek crew picard which are in the future have to transport themselves back in time to 2024 because something happened that turned earth into a human supremacist planet <sighs> right and i'm just like okay. yo this is The stupidest thing I've ever heard. Political propaganda. It's
1: absolutely absurd, by the way. And I've seen, I've seen every episode that's out so far. I can't help myself. But uh, I'm such a sucker for nostalgia. Mm. And the first season of Picard is terrible. But when you get to the end and we get the actual data Picard death scene that we were robbed of in the films, you go, yeah, I'll follow you guys through the gates of hell. (laughs) <laughs> give me, tell me how all humans are fascists. I'm in. I want to. I want to. You know, watch.
3: yeah. They never talk about Vulcan supremacists. It's
0: interesting, it's, but Vulcans but, don't have institutional powers, so they're not. The, the first thing is, it's clear that the Picard series is just you know, member berries, uh-huh. mm-hmm. member the Borg, member Picard, <laughs> and then like they meet everyone. and It's like, oh, uh, like yo, just give me a series that follows Deep Space Nine in in the continuity, and mm-hmm. we can move beyond the Dominion War, or whatever. For those that are fans, and uh, but instead, what they're doing is we're going back in time again yeah, that's and right. the, the characters they bring back you know so uh you've watched the first two episodes I'd imagine of Picard first four yeah first four already out mm-hmm. man I've been working too much Um, but Q does not feel like Q you know when, when he's like this is not a lesson Picard it's penance I'm like come on yeah. Q was the guy who showed up with the mariachi band smoking a cigar and dancing not some like
1: torture of some great message or anything he was but chaotic is, yeah you're, you're not, right, with him. You're, yeah, not like he, you're not allowed to have fun Right. This is what's different now. You're not allowed every. If you watch ads at the Super Bowl, uh, and they're all they're all important. The words you would use for the ad, the ad agent, they would say, "This was an important ad at the Super Bowl," yeah. or "This was a beautiful ad at the Super Bowl," or "This was a touching ad at the Super Bowl." I'm like, yeah, but what are the really funny ads at the Super Bowl? Yeah. I'm getting people keep writing in telling me that the Jeremy's Razor shameless plug. Uh, you can see it at I Hate uh, <laughs> commercial. <laughs> it, people, hundreds of people are writing it. This is the best commercial I've ever seen. I'm very proud of the commercial. It's not the best commercial that's ever been made. Why they're responding that way is because it is the best commercial that's been made in a decade. Because you know, it's the first commercial in a decade where you can just laugh at. It's good. And like
4: fall, like uh, what's that movie? Fall guy? Is that what it is with Ryan? Ryan uh, Reynolds? Reynolds. Fall guy? Is that what it's called? No, no. Is that what the movie's called? Which one? When? Some movie that just came out where he's like Project, free guy. I think. Free guy. Free guy. guy. It yeah, felt like yeah. free, guy, free right. guy,
0: but like well, like almost like produced like on that level. And well, and I, I just wanted to add, you know, uh, my uh, compliments to uh, the commercial were so good. The Daily Wire actually uh picked that one up. Pushed my video <laughs> out, you know, cuz cuz you know. Yeah. Well, Good it, commentary from Tim. Yeah, we need more <laughs> like that. You <laughs>
3: mentioned these uh these people seeing their advertisements as important and this is one of these things that if they could just step out of their little box for 3 seconds they would understand how ridiculous it is. Just the phrase like this is going to be the most important Coca-Cola commercial.
0: Of <laughs> well, all let, time. let me let me I want to go back to uh, yeah. let's let's th- this back to Star Trek. How and why does a network uh, a company say we have this, this IP, this popular IP. We have decades of storytelling and movies and series. Let's just put them in 2024 to fight Trump. I know why. That's, it's nothing yeah. to do with any of the history. Like, if you want to make a show about time travelers who fight Donald Trump, make the show. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd probably watch it anyway just to see what you're talking
1: about. They, but why they made, make Picard do it? And they, and then Star Trek Discovery Stacey Abrams shows up as the president <laughs> of United Earth. <laughs> Wow! Oh, uh, she actually got
3: cheated <laughs> out of that election. That's no trash. Um, who
0: are they speaking to?
3: Themselves. Like, they're speaking I, right. to themselves. That's I, I, I honestly
0: wonder if they're even doing that. It's really. funny.
3: We, we were. Oh man, I really wanted to get into this earlier, but it, it blew past us, and now's the perfect time to segue to it. You were discussing the the Western canon, and part of why it's so important to tell good stories is because it's where people get their morality from. Mm-hmm. Yes. It helps to give people moral precepts and principles, but ultimately people are going to act on the basis of who they admire and the stories that they know. And so part of why they need to change these stories is because though they weren't perfect, some of them actually had decent values. And so what you need to do is retcon, retcon them yeah. and shove your own
0: values into it so that you can this control is, people. This is what people say, because uh, I tweeted a video from uh, the next generation mm-hmm. where uh the 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 uh uh, an admiral at starfleet orders data to give up his child to the you know the state and picard is like no and he risks his career he says men of good conscience will defy orders you you know to watch to have to to compel a man to give his child to the state not while i'm captain and i was like man that was so awesome and then everyone said the new picard series he would do the opposite Mm -hmm. he would say for the for the betterment of the family we must allow you know and and for safety and security that's what that's that's the message we'd get across now from Picard. Like his values are gone, yeah, and that's kind of sad to me. The character should have been left left just as as as, as it was, but they uh, can't. They can't do it. They can't. They help need to change. it. They
3: can't create. They can't make new things. They have to pervert what other Not, people have already. Roddenberry. That, Roddenberry that, is this gone. Is,
0: this is true, which is why t- they take this long historic this this long history uh, history show and then change it. But it's also they want to destroy the, the, the character Picard represented, the values he represented. They want to take him away as a role model from people who believed in these civil libertarian values. Yeah, This is freedom. one of
1: the reasons that we got into making movies at Daily Wire is because so much content that exists now exists to tell you that you don't deserve these characters. And so like you, know, you see it in these superhero movies uh, quite a lot. Like you watch the beginning of uh, Endgame. And Captain America, who in the first, in the first Avengers movie, Captain America says, you know, there's only one God and he doesn't wear tights and he's, mm-hmm. he's a character from the 1940s. Yep. Who goes to, it's, it lies about his age to go fight the Nazis. He wears red, white, and blue and literally is called America. Yeah. That's the character. And then he gets <laughs> frozen in ice and he wakes up in the 20th century and by in game, it opens up and he's in this counseling session and we have to have the reveal that the person who is is sharing an insight with him is a married gay man, a, a gay married gay man. I would say a gay married gay man because gay men have been married throughout all of human history, and it didn't mean what we mean now, right? <laughs> uh, it's a gay married gay man, and what? Why do they do? Why do that? You can say, well, it's to be inclusive, it's to show people that even gay married gay men have a place in the world, but that's not why they do it. If that's why they did it, I might even go, eh, okay, we can we can live. It. But that isn't the motive. The motive is to say, all of you red state flyover maga hat wearing. Uh, love America, wear red, white, and blue guys, literal Captain America doesn't belong to you. Yeah. You don't get to claim him. He belongs to us. We can give him any set of values that we want. In fact, if you watch that whole Marvel Avengers arc, remarkably, Captain America becomes the, uh, the renegade character during Civil War, and Iron Man, Tony Stark, becomes the representative of state power. Like, it's a... It's an unbelievable inversion of those characters because they don't know what the characters mean. It's not because they don't know, it's because they well, actually well, reject what the characters stand hold for. Hold on,
0: are you, you're not familiar with the Captain America Nomad arc? I'm not, no. Captain America, uh, I don't, I'm not, I haven't read all this stuff, it was before my time, but there was a period where Captain America abandoned the name and called himself Nomad because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the point they were making was if you truly believe in America, you don't always stand by the government for whatever it does. Sure. So, you know, that's a general idea. I actually thought Civil War was fairly well done. I mean, Captain America was the guy saying, I'm not going to sign over my rights to the state. I'm, a, you know, I'm an individual. And Tony Stark is a, is a corporate w- w- warmonger who's that's like, an take. the state, you know, is right. Sign, sign out. You know, we have to. I thought the, the, the politics in that were, were, were fairly good. Albeit the Marvel movies are like, kindergarten-grade entertainment. Captain
4: America's war propaganda was created to fight Nazis and get people around World War II, and keep that in mind forever moving well, forward that that was war propaganda.
3: Well, I, I want to make this point Part of why it's so instructive that is Captain America is because the left has this fetish for project, projecting their values onto the people who fought the Second World War. So they're always claiming that they're the ones fighting Nazi. Uh, you'll see memes floating around of the brave young men storming Normandy. And it says, this is Antifa trying to fight Nazis. Um I did a cartoon about this a while ago called Fighting Nazis Then Versus Now. And what it was based on was this exact premise because my grandfather fought in the Second World War. He played a very key role in, in uh, ensuring that the um, officers at the Flossenberg concentration camp were caught and placed on trial. He really had an, an incredible and harrowing tour, and he would not use your pronouns. I mean, this is not somebody who's going to uh, or would well, comply with left-wing values. Yeah, exactly. I made a whole cartoon about this point, but it's so funny to me that the left wants to claim that they own these people, even though if if they were alive today, and those who are alive today from that era don't agree with them at all, if they even think about them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if um, the speed at which we're communicating, the bifurcation of culture, will just—it's leading to some some say peaceful divorce perhaps mm-hmm. because of the internet it could it could be something we haven't seen in the past or civil war maybe but i just don't see how there's any reconciliation with the the modern iteration of the polit- the, the left sphere of influence because the things they believe are just not aligned with the reality i think it
4: comes to the individual clearing like having slowing down their thoughts because if your mind is moving super rapidly with the information like a car traveling so fast on the road a minor uh, variation in the wheel will send that thing flying off course, and the same thing happens to your brain if it 's on overload activity all the time so it's really i don 't think there's a top down solution it 'll be up to people to control themselves and let this stuff flow past them while still acknowledging it.
3: Are we doomed? Or is it going to be all right? I don't think we're. Doomed. I think both. I think yeah, things to get bad for fine. a while. I think things might get bad for a while. I, I wouldn't say that we're doomed, though. I, I don't. I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty easy prediction to say that things are going to get bad for a while. But also in the long run, I don't know how things are going to turn out. I, can't. I my my it's mentality is us. very yeah. much
0: like I got to be honest with everybody. Um, you know, I had it bad most of my life. You know, up until my mid twenties, when you know, for the next few, you know few years, my career started taking off and things started generally improving. And so for me, my attitude's always kind of just been like, yo, all of this is icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if people were unwilling to fight for their values and their, val- and everything fell apart, <clears throat> the food shortages get really bad. And I wake up, you know, in six months, homeless and with no food, I'd be like, Oh, you know, been there, done that. I'm not really worried about it. Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't have a family. So a lot of people who do would be much more terrified of something like that. If tomorrow
1: pointed. all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. Oh yeah. If you had to start again with you, just your children and your wife.
0: I oh, can't. here we go. <laughs> yeah. Make my logo star. My no, I just – there's a uh, – I think it was Zuby who said this, that if you took all of the property for, from every single person mm-hmm. and then gave everyone you know, $10,000, the people who are rich before would become rich and the people who are yes. poor before would, would become poor. For the this is a hard good.
4: conversation. Maybe we can go to another after show because it really comes down to eugenics, like this this concept of eugenics, where it came from and what it all means, like the the fact that people even think of themselves as an elite class and that there's everybody else. And that, or, or the plebeians is what the Romans called them. And then there's the central intelligentsia. Like, I don't know. Is that real? Like we just, like you just stated. Well, a
1: lot of things are real. A lot of things that are unseemly are real, but not everything that's real is, is, um, not everything that's true is capital T truth. Like, Mm. I think that one of the problems, this kind of comes back to the ideology dogma thing. We, we sometimes take observations that we make, we, or measurements that we make, things that are true. And because you're not allowed to say a lot of things that are true in our culture right now, Um, it's, it's, uh, subversive to even think about them. And the result, the result of that is that whenever you do engage with those ideas, you're engaging in them in the worst places possible with people who are like probably taking them to the furthest extreme. And it becomes easy for us to, so, you know, like you become a eugenicist in your mind, like Hitler was in the twenties and thirties or something, which is obviously a grave evil thing. I mean, it's, it's obviously true, uh, uh, it's an obvious truth that simply because something is generally true, it's not specifically true, that because, uh, for example, Asian-Americans have a higher IQ than, than white Americans, just to avoid any of the races you're not allowed to talk about, uh, it's, it's, there's nothing racist about talking ill of Asians, right? So Asians, statistically, higher IQ than white people. But that, that The smartest person in the world could be a white person, uh And it would still be true that statistically, that statistically Asians have a higher IQ. So, you end up in this situation where the, the truth about the general truth can sometimes blind us to the specific truth. Uh, And that's where, I think that's where a lot of tribalism, a lot of isms come from that that aren't good.
0: You get into the nuance of what is, what does it mean to be Asian? Are you referring specifically to like Southeast Asian? Are you referring to the Philippines? Are you referring to India? Of course. And then those things all play a role. I think the problem with stereotypes is that people hear the word Asian and they exclude Indians. But particularly in Europe, you say the word Asian and they include Indians. Mm-hmm. So we're not even, you know, we're not even necessarily hitting at the same points.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I'm only making the point that when we talk about these difficult issues like eugenics, uh, are some people, are some people born with advantages? Of course they are. People are born with high IQs and people are born with low IQs. More people are born with low IQs than people are born with high IQs. One of the challenges in, in ordering society is not letting, is not judging people based on those generalities. But that doesn't mean that there aren't specific realities that people that people are different there are people born with advantages you can leave iq out of it iq is the hardest thing to talk about because everyone is the smartest person they know it's just your your own your ability to perceive someone smarter than you is capped by your own intelligence love it but it's very easy for me to acknowledge that like lebron james is better than basketball than i am and you could say if i practiced really hard i could be better than no i couldn't if i practiced really hard i could be better than me but no amount of practice will make me better than LeBron. If LeBron didn't practice, and I did practice, he would still be better than me. Now, if we played a game of... Uh, Le- LeBron and I p- play a game of pig. And instead of playing pig, we just play puh. And LeBron says, whoever wins this game of puh, you know, gets a million dollars. I might win the million dollars. Every now and then, he misses. And every now and then, I don't. But if you make it pih... His chances go up exponi- exponentially. If you make it pig, they go up even radically. If you make it horse, I will never win statistically ever. There's no world where I will ever win that. He has those advantages. There's no question about those advantages. Let's go to Super Chats.
0: If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends if you really do like it and you want to help us out, and go to timcast.com. Sign up to become a member to support our work. And we're going to have a members-only segment going live on the website around 11 or so p.m. You're not going to want to miss it. It'll be fun. But let's read some Super Chats. All right. We got Rilo who says, Applebee's is celebrating inflation because it kills competition and makes people poor. They note that more poor people means more disposable employees they can underpay and overwork. Applebee's hates you. I'm uh, not familiar with that. Is that something specific? That no I didn't specific. hear anything about yeah. that. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe this guy just got fired by Applebee's. Maybe. <laughs> what if they just, like, really don't like Applebee's? Yeah. I don't know yeah. what happened. I'm going to Google this now. Alright. Patriot American says, Happy birthday to my fellow Irish American brother, Seamus. Oh, thank you. the really good work, bro. Thank you. Very we, kind. Oh, we, you guys are so you know, nice. Uh, <laughs> we, we, too we, nice. Uh, I worked really, really hard to make a cake for he Seamus. Did. He did. And it was insulting. <laughs> it was really of course It was honoring his <laughs> okay. Irish heritage. Yeah, that's right. Really I drew yeah. gold coins. You that's what the Redskins said. They said they shamrocks honoring. on it. And I wrote McBirthday. He did, yeah.
3: McBirthday. Yeah. That means son of birthday. It's just <laughs> racist. It's and
1: just- and this is a great. <laughs> Everyone here is Irish. This is a great way of looking back to the problem with stereotyping. That exactly. no, you know, if if I take a shot and he takes a shot. Uh, statistically, I could become the alcoholic, or he could become the <laughs> alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's three uh, shots. If well, there's gotta three be sh- also, I'm a writer,
0: too. So, like, <laughs> oh Irish gosh, plus writer, yeah. I'm an even worse shape. Oh, right yeah. 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 Game over. I just I, I think the joke's funny because Seamus is an American guy from the south side yeah, of Chicago. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we constantly yeah. calling him. Spent, spent most of my life in the suburbs, let's be real. You know what I mean? I can't take all that street cred. <laughs> all right. Crason says, it's not just about building culture. You have a culture and history already. You need to make people proud of the history and culture they already are a part of, not forget it and do something else. It's true.
1: Yeah, I think it's true. I don't think it's all of the, I don't think that's enough, but that is a major part of it. And it's a part that we haven't talked about much tonight. So I think it's, it's good that they pointed out. American Advocate
0: says, I'm so proud of the Daily Wire. They're not afraid of conversation or debate. The biggest cojones in America. I'm all in Latinos for America. Woo. Oh, there you go. Wow.
1: That's amazing. Uh, thank you. Um, we we take it as a responsibility, but I'll also say we're just having a good time too, and I think that uh, that's part of what differentiates the Daily Wire is that we enjoy what we do.
0: Man, I my thing is like have fun. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. That's point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Hayden says, Jeremy, I'm from the Lub area. Thanks for yeah. what you've built. You hate credentialism. My question is, how would you recommend somebody get started in learning about video production? Yep. Working at Daily Wire has become a goal. Is SPC an option? They've gone woke.
1: Yep. Uh, I went to SBC for, for a period of time. Uh, I, I didn't ever go to a university. I didn't get a college degree. I didn't right. even get an associate's degree. Uh, and I failed at everything that I did in life basically f- until I was 35. I'd never made more than $25,000 in a year in personal income. I, I had businesses that made more money than that. I just paid it to other people mm. and, and didn't understand how to pay myself. And as a result, I had disconnected, uh, my own, um, my own personal success from the success of these entities. And I'd created sort of a false, and and crippling moral paradigm for myself, uh, and obviously now I'm spectacularly wealthy, and people bow to me and call me God king. <laughs> and, uh, so so my my first thing as a guy from uh, from the Lubbock area, as a guy who went to SBC, uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, it doesn't matter what advantages you start life with; it doesn't matter what advantages uh, come your way. You can you can make of life what you will. You can you can set your mind to something and you can go accomplish it. That's not true for everyone in every place. It is true if you're born in this country. The proof is all around you. Opportunity is everywhere. You just have to learn, grow, challenge yourself. Never be complacent. Don't stand still. Uh, don't be risk-averse. If you want security, you can have it, but if you want uh, the kind of success uh, uh, that you're describing, you actually have to go risk for it. Now, as to how does one get the, the small steps, how does one get into video production, how does one get uh, even a job, at the Daily Wire, I think that there is there's no substitute in life for doing. Mm. There are those in life who do and there are those who do not. And this is my famed Jeremy's do, doers and do noters speech. No one has ever been happy to receive it. No one is ever satisfied. They'll say, how do you do thus and such? I give this speech. They always think there's more. There isn't more. Yep. There are those who do and there are those who do not. When I moved to Hollywood, I thought I'm a smart guy. If I just met Steven Spielberg and he could tell me how to make a movie I could take that and go make a movie. And then it was only after years of struggling in Hollywood that I came to realize that Steven Spielberg, if he, if I did get that meeting, what would he tell me? He would say, Oh, you, you want to know how to make a movie? No problem. Find a book written by a famous author that you really like that sold a lot of copies. Give him a million dollars for a two year <laughs> option on that book. Then go take meetings with 10 of the best writers in the world. Pay one of them a million dollars to write a draft. You won't like the draft, so you'll pay the second guy on the list half a million dollars to rewrite the draft. When you have a draft that you like, call your buddy Tom Cruise and say, would you like to play (laughs) the lead in this? He'll say, yeah, and I'll be over for burgers this weekend. Now you've got him. Go to your business partners at your own studio that you own. Have them architect the foreign sales deal, uh, piece of this. And then go to the major studio with whom you have, uh, a direct distribution deal and, trig- and trigger it. And they'll release it. Now, now you can make your movie. What good would that information do me if I had it? The real question you're, the real question you want to ask is, Steven Spielberg, how should, how could I make a movie? And the answer to that would be, oh, I have no idea. It's completely... Steven Spielberg knows less about how you could be successful than anyone. What you should do instead is realize that how did Steven Spielberg himself did it? Well, he just did it. Yeah. He well, just he, what, was a, he was a those who do, not a those who do not. This is
0: what I tell people because one of the most frustrating things I hear all the time is either, Tim, you're able to do things because you have money, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's the inverse, it's the other way around. It's because I did things, I have money, mm-hmm. and people saying, if only I had money, I could do thing. And I'm like, that's just not true. Yep. I've seen it. I worked for Fusion. They put hundreds of millions of dollars into nothing flushed down the toilet. Yep. Money doesn't make things happen. People do. That's right. So whenever people are like, how do I do something? How do I do? I'm like, you just do it. You, have, you have, like, like, how do I film these videos? I don't have a computer. I don't have cameras. I don't have all this stuff. Like you have a phone. You do. Most right. people do. If you don't, truth be told, maybe you don't. But Phones, you can get an Android phone for, for no joke, like 20 to 30 bucks. Not a good one. You can get a webcam for 20 to 30 bucks. You can go stand in a street corner in any major city and hold up a sign saying, once I get 20 bucks, I'm going to buy a webcam to start a show. That's all I need. And in 10 minutes, I guarantee you, someone will walk over and hand you 20 bucks. That is American privilege because right. we do that. Not, I'm not saying it's the best thing to do, but how about this? You go work for a fast food restaurant. You work until you make, save up a couple, couple hundred bucks to buy a computer and a camera, and then you can start making videos. And then you just have to earn it. You know, the idea that people are going to watch your content, it's got to be earned. You know, I was just talking about this band I knew a long time ago. Me and uh, we were driving in a car. We were listening to this old music. And, you know, someone said, what happened to them? I'm like, they broke up because the lead singer was like, if my music was so good, how come I'm not famous? And mm-hmm. then I was like, bro, you can't just write a song and then think you're going to be famous. Like, you've got to work for 10 years. You've got to keep playing. You've got to do, you got to put in so much work and effort. I got started doing all of this stuff technically well before I was 25 because I was working at nonprofits. I was involved in politics. I was reading the news all day, every day since I was 15. Yep. So when Occupy Wall Street started and I went to cover it, I already knew a lot about what had been going on. This allowed me to, you know, it's, it's all one thing after another. But let's uh, let's let's
1: read some more Super Chats. Yeah, I, I love that story. And this, to me, nothing we've talked about tonight is more important than this. I we, We've hit on it in several different ways, but this idea that you're just a victim of your circumstances... Is the, is the most crippling, the victim mentality is the most crippling ideology that has ever been unleashed on an individual. You, again, not everywhere. There are people born in true hardship around the world. In this country, you can do so. I love oh, Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk for this reason. I love that on Saturdays he goes out and buys He's crap so at garage good. sales and then sells it and shows that you, anyone could have done what he just did. You know the story of the guy who traded the paperclip for a house, right? That's right and there, but several
0: people have replicated this in various ways. He a guy took a paperclip and he traded it up and up and on Craigslist and or whatever the story was, paperclip for a pen, pen for a notepad, notepad for a pack of pens. Yeah. Eventually he got to a a lawnmower, then a bike, then a then a broken motorcycle. Eventually it was a boat and then sooner or later he traded it for an old house, got the deed from a paperclip. Because the, work- the
1: difference between a piece of paper and a million dollar screenplay is what comes out of your brain and goes onto that page. That's it. Let's
0: read some more. Alright, David Short says, Hey Tim, just bought my first 10 chicks. Please mm. ask Jeremy where the razors are made.
1: That's a non sequitur. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> oh well. Uh, our razors are made in China. We source them through Finland. There are no razors made in America. Interesting. Wow. What? Razors Sad. are not made in America. We, we, listen, sure one of the could. reasons it took us a year to get our razor out uh, is because we were trying to source razors. Uh, it's a very challenging thing. A razor is a thing that cuts people. Yes. So a lot of people don't want to make them. There are, there are, um, uh, straight razors made in America. There aren't cartridge razors made in America. Uh, we haven't talked about this much publicly. A lot of people will write into me all the time and say, because I'm conservative, and they'll be like, ah, oh, you make your leftist tears tumblers in China. I'm canceling. And I always think, you wrote that on a computer or a phone that was made yeah. in China. I don't understand. It's not, I didn't decide to export all of America's manufacturing jobs overseas. That happened when I was a child. This is the world that I live in. I want to change that world, but the reality of how to change that world is it takes time, success, and money. Just our leftist tiers tumbler is a great example. We have priced out what it would cost to manufacture the tumblers in America. Just the equipment would cost 20 million dollars. So the cost of a tumbler would go from $20 per tumbler not to people say you just do it to save a few cents or a few bucks. No, no, no. <laughs> the cost of the tumbler would go from twenty dollars to two hundred dollars per tumbler in raw material. Like or which means like it is it's not impossible. It is it is practically impossible. That's it is not actually is prohibitively yeah. uh now. Will we ever make our razors in America? Will we ever make our tumblers in America? Well, I'm telling you what it would cost to make the tumblers in America because I know because we're always researching. How to change the paradigm where all of our manufacturing is, is overseas. We do think that we have a constructive role to play in that, but it's a role that one can only play out of success. We've talked to our friends over at Black Rifle Coffee, for example, about buying Tumblr making equipment together, starting a joint venture. Mm-hmm. It's going to, t- it takes real resources. It takes real success to make these razors in America. W- four days ago, I did not own a razor company. Today, <laughs> I've sold 25,000 razor subscriptions. Like that, to do that requires buying razors where they already make razors. If, if we sell a million razor subscriptions, we'll build a razor company in America and we'll mm-hmm. change things. And it, by the way, if we get a million subscribers, it won't just be our razors that are made in America. Once we build the infrastructure to make razors in America, other companies will come source razors from us. So it's not that I'm opposed to the where is this made question. I'm, what I, what I kind of get, I get a little bent out of shape about this because I think people don't really understand how how much we have exported overseas in terms of manufacturing, Everything. and how much money and time it's going to take to fix that, and to think that well, you shouldn't be able to start uh, a ra- if you're a real American, you wouldn't even start a company until you could make the razors in America, would just mean that you can't make anything. Hmm. I want to eventually manufacture things in America, which we will do in success. Absolutely,
0: I, I love that people think you know a lot of people I saw on Twitter were saying like I can't believe the Daily Wire would do this, uh, and I'm just like. Do you, I wonder if do you think that you like the Daily Wire guys aren't thinking about that when when they you know why are they making that in China? It's like I'm pretty sure they know what people are yeah. going to say if they do and why they have to.
1: Yeah, like these microphones were made in China and these laptops, laptops were made in China. Straight. That gorilla was made in China. Oh, like it's, it's going to take time maybe. to change. Maybe gorilla on there. Huh, let's see what he says here. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely Chinese. Uh, never <laughs> well, this one has
4: is that Chinese on the packaging? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this, this is a, this is a gift from Luke Rudkowski. That is Chinese. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, it's Luke, it's definitely part Luke of the Luke earth. Luke sent sent a birthday <laughs> present made in China. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm against it. Is a mug made no, in China? No, we try. Sure we we is. we. Uh, yeah, we should change it. Yeah, this yeah. mug the was the made in China. To change it, you want to know the craziest thing? <laughs> Tell me how they make skateboards. Mm. Wood from Canada <clears throat> gets shipped to the U.S., <clears throat> then shipped to China, turned into a skateboard, and shipped back to the U.S. Yeah, that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. A lot about of people are taking a Chinese labor is so cheap that it's cheaper to ship all mm-hmm. of that wood all over the place than just make it here in the U.S. It's
1: also the EPA. Very famously, oh, sure. Steve yep. Jobs said, only a year or two before he died, he said, if we had not been able to make the iPhone, if, if I had been required to make the iPhone in America, just the process of innovating around the class for the, for the screen on the iPhone, he said, I don't remember what iPhone we were on when Steve Jobs died, iPhone 6 or iPhone 6S or something. He said, we would not be at iPhone 1 yet. Yeah. if I had to make it in America. And that's because of environmental laws. And you could say environmental laws that Steve Jobs supported. Yeah, I'm not I'm not. Hey, I'm giving you a Steve Jobs hagiography. Hey, I'm just telling you, if a guy worth billions and billions and billions of dollars couldn't manufacture in America, have a little grace for those of us who are trying to start things from the ground up. Mike Allen says, if you joined late and are
0: listening at 1.5 times speed to catch up, Jeremy sounds like Ben Shapiro. Oh, <laughs> oh that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> All right. Josh, oh, my gosh, says, how the frick can I get an acting job with The Daily Wire? I need a job I can enjoy. I'm an entertainer, and I can't stand
1: Hollywood. Please let Jeremy know. I will send my resume to him. Yeah. Uh, Look, we need talent. Um, One of the challenges in our our work is because we're very front-facing, because we're very public. Uh, A lot of people you know, ask us for jobs. And obviously you can't hire everyone who asks you for a job, but we are looking for real talent. We're looking for real talent in our entertainment business. We're looking for real ta- talent, in the manufacturing and distribution uh, of consumer goods business, which suddenly we have, uh, we're looking for real executive and leadership and management talent at the daily wire. Scaling a business is incredibly hard. Everything about, uh, being successful is hard. There's a great line in an episode of breaking bad when, uh, the villain is making soup. And he says to Walter White, uh, you must learn to be rich. To be poor anyone can manage. And it's true. Everyone knows how to fail. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to succeed and you have to keep learning how to succeed. Success can lead you to destruction just as quickly as failure can. Uh and so at every turn as we grow this business we need talent. So please, you know, reach at career, careers at Daily Wire. Send send us your resume. Send us your uh send us your um whether you're in entertainment or in business or or whatever, we need good talent. When it comes to you're, acting,
4: real, I, real, I feel uh, like the the industry's changed, and that the yep. resume had shot thing's done now. And that I what I want to see is that, and I, I want to see the real. Yeah, I, I want to see I video agree. of them.
1: Yeah, go do something.
0: You're, you're, uh, yeah. Your your uh your your story is that uh, you you failed up until you know you were 35. Is that what it was, mm-hmm. or what was like you weren't making a lot of money, and then all of a sudden you started being yep. successful.
1: The, the started the Daily Wire. Uh, actually, it was the. The first time that I ever made more than twenty five thousand dollars in a year was uh, at the precursor company that Ben and I had called Truth Revolt, uh, and I got a nice salary. And at that time, Prager, you started paying me uh, a nice salary as well. Oh, okay. So I I was, or not a salary, but a nice consulting fee. Um, and so I was suddenly making you know six figures for the first time in my life as a thirty five year old man. Uh, and it really is amazing how just that change of mind that Ben uh, and and my friend Frank helped me achieve unlocked. All of the actual power of economic incentive. And, well, and between, and between 35 and 43, I mean, I, I flew here on a private plane to do your show today. Wow. So, uh, you're the 1%.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. were you shocked when you realized the laws limiting how you could spend money once you got large sums of money? Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this, I bring this up because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people when they say things like, Hey, why don't you just do this or that with your company? I'm like, that's illegal. And they're like, what? Right. And I'm like, you can't just do that with money. That's there, right. There's limitations, there's financial limitations, there's laws, there's tax restrictions, there's tax holding requirements, all this crazy stuff. You can't just, you can't just, you
1: can't even just give someone money. No, you can't give people money. Everybody's like, if you gave me a million, if I gave you a million dollars, I can't give you a million dollars, even if I had a million dollars to give you. The other thing people don't, uh, that they don't understand is that when you are in a rapid ascent, the way that people of means are taxed, is different. I don't pay taxes on April 15th. I pay taxes mm-hmm. every quarter. Right. And mm-hmm. those taxes are based on projections of earnings that the IRS has rules about. And so there have been times over these last seven years where I was making an incredible amount of money on paper, but I was giving so much money to the government that I didn't know how I was going to pay my mortgage. Yeah. like It's unbelievable how they take that money from me. And if you
0: make a lot of money in one year or one quarter, and then all of a sudden covid hits and and yep. revenues drop dramatically yep. they're like we still expect your projections you've got to pay X you've X got X to, to pay as a
4: percentage of last year's success well the yep. government's job is to control the economy and giving it to the federal reserve is is blatant disrespect for uh, if you want rep- if you want to represent me and you want my tax money you better represent me and not outsource the
0: representation to a private company Let's let's uh, get sorry, but we got to I want to try and get more super chats in uh, CD Stein says ask Jeremy if he if they would consider also starting a book publishing company that includes comics since the rise mm-hmm. of insane wokeness in the big two co- two of comics.
1: Yeah, well, we have started a book publishing company right. uh, DW publishing our first book um, uh, is with Sergeant Mattingly and is out now uh, we have uh, a couple of other really good books that are going to come out our, our first release was actually what is a Walrus by Matt Walsh, which was a children's board book, but our first uh, our, our first. Um, adult publication is Manningley's book. Um, we, we signed a, a great book deal with Jonathan Isaac, the NBA player, which we're really yeah. proud about. And, and, you know, that guy, uh, that guy stood up when other people were kneeling and, and we're proud to be in business with him. And we have, uh, only in the last four weeks, we have seen the first boards for uh, a graphic novel that we're working on. So this That's is something that we're cool. pursuing. We're not pursuing it with the same sort of aggressive vigor that we are. Our entertainment play it's a place where I would say we're testing um, not 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 that we're uh, charging it's not a hill we're charging it's a place where we're testing but uh, obviously we think the creation of IP the creation of comics the creation of graphic novels the creation of fiction you know again one of the things that makes us different from other conservative companies even in publishing is that we're not just going to publish a bunch of nonfiction
0: I have a really great idea for a children's book it's called the Donkey who cried Bear. It's about a, a family, oh, we, a, a, a village of donkeys, and one donkey keeps screaming, the bears are coming! The bears are controlling our donkey president! You know? Yeah. But, yeah. but, but then what I'm, happens I'm at actually the end? kidding. But, what happens but, at the end. I thought <laughs> we the were bears around invade! There. The <laughs> elephant charges
1: in. <laughs> yeah.
4: Did you, uh, what's the, what's the model, like the cost model for Daily Wire right now for a,
0: for someone that wants to subscribe to the network?
1: Yeah, I mean, head over to dailywire.com slash subscribe and become a member. There's a couple of different tiers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Use promo code
0: TIMPOOL to get 25% off. Use promo
1: code TIMPOOL to get 25 (laughs) Is that is that a real (laughs) promo code? Yeah. I would like to say to any of my staff listening, please quickly turn on a promo code code called TIMPOOL. No, no, uh,
0: because uh, Daily Wire had us sponsor sponsor two of our shows this month. Oh, that's right. There is a a promo code
1: TIMPOOL, 25% off. Heck yeah. And then you get
4: access to all the movies on the network and all the graphic novels when you subscribe.
1: Yes, you, well, not the gra- there are no graphic novels yet in existence, but yes, you, you get The Ben Shapiro Show, Candace Owen Show, Michael Knowles, uh, if you want him, Matt yeah. Walsh, also uh, Andrew things like that. You. you get the feature film Shut In, The Hyperions, right. Run, Hide, Fight. So truly like a Netflix, similar to a Netflix model at this stage.
0: Exactly. Well, so, so, so we have a question here from but Uncle But instead
1: of having every movie ever created, we have Run, Hide, Fight, Shut In, and The Hyperions. <laughs> <That's good laughs> movies, yeah. The Hyperions is out. The oh, Hyperions is out. I definitely it's, want to watch that. It's fabulous. Uh, Uncle D says, will The Daily Wire make cartoons? and a streaming
0: service mm. so we won't need Disney Hulu or Netflix well we know you're doing a streaming service but are you doing cartoons
1: well it was in uh it was reported today that Ben Shapiro said the Daily Wire is going to move into kids content Ooh. um i i had to call ben and say ben don't say things what? like that yeah. we're not ready yet <laughs> we're not ready yet uh, but it is it is true that we are in development on kids content and it's definitely our hope uh that in 2023 we can bring some great kids content to the market Spidge B says you need to jam with Jeremy. He's quite an accomplished musician. Yes. Ah, well, I'm not. I I am quite accomplished. What I'm not is very good. Oh. <laughs> uh, I say I'm accomplished because Smokey Mike and the God King played to a sold out house at the <laughs> Mother <laughs> Church of Country Music, the Rhyman right, yeah. Auditorium. Wow. Good stuff. Uh, I, uh, but, but you should never mistake that for talent, which I have, <laughs> I have very fleeting levels Michael of. Michael
0: Knowles, he's, he's really good. Michael's a great guitar player. Yeah, he, he
3: he's, sings I too. cannot believe I'm hearing compliments of Michael Knowles' Michael Right? Emotions. no, right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. That's disturbing. It's <laughs>
0: o- only in
1: the context of Smoky Mike and the God King yeah. will I say anything nice well, Only yeah. his ego gets a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's his group, he's gotta yeah, compliment no, himself. that's true. You know it's
0: Tough break. All right. Andrew Lance says, God King, I've been a DW All Access member for as long as possible. Mm. Get with Seamus and give us our Freedom Tunes animated series already.
1: Uh, I, when I sat down, uh, Seamus said, you know what? What would you like to talk about at our meeting in, in two weeks? And I said, I didn't. I, honestly, <laughs> God didn't know we had a meeting, I, God, yeah, had a meeting yeah, yeah, in two yeah, weeks. But, that was actually really really uh, funny. Mm-hmm. But that is apparently a thing that's happening. I couldn't. I'm stoked about it. Uh, I love Freedom Tunes. Thank you. Uh, ben Shapiro shooting lasers out of his eyes was a turning point. <laughs> honestly,
3: gang. Okay, it's something I actually do every now and again. So the fact that he put it in a cartoon is really revolutionary. People need to know.
0: Ben Shapiro <laughs> reacting. Shame. Uh, freedom Tunes. Ben Shapiro reacting to real Ben Shapiro reacting to Freedom Tunes was good. Yeah. Uh, so
3: Ben Shapiro. Re- reacted to my cartoon of him and then I did a cartoon of cartoon Ben Shapiro reacting <laughs> to real Ben Shapiro <laughs> <laughs> reacting to the cartoon
0: or Ben Shapiro's family Thanksgiving was it Honestly, that yes. was one yeah. of the best yeah family Thank Thanksgiving. Thank I love that
3: one he tweeted it it's funny because right after I made it I, t- I uh, put it on Twitter and then he retweeted it and said this is a documentary <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's great. laughs> yeah. did he really yeah yeah. he said this is oh, a documentary wow. or he I, I tweeted the link at him and he posted the link and said this is a documentary text. that's awesome I,
0: yeah.
1: I have been to a family dinner or two at, at Ben's home with his entire family and it is not unlike. <laughs> I knew it. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Chris Stark says, Tim and crew, you should
0: read Milton Friedman unraveled by Murray Rothbard. Oh, yes. Rothbard. It helps to explain his role as to why we are in the current economic situation uh, and and some well worth it.
2: Very smart man. Right oh, there.
0: yeah. Mind Fury says, the metaverse. Remember Demolition Man from the mid-90s? Adult That's activity so was banned and lovemaking required a VR headset. Oof.
1: How prescient in retrospect. Mm. Ugh. Prescient Jeez. has never sounded more seedy than the way you. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't feel I good see. about it. I know. All right, Roberto Lara says Lex had the same discussion with Mark Zucker- Zuckerberg about how we'll represent ourselves on the metaverse. A recommendable podcast. You get to see the android Mark versus the robot Lex. That is interesting. Mm. Yeah. Phg uh, Ph gamer says O M G at Tim. You need to watch Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. It was eerie where it went. But there was an episode where a stalker put on a cyber suit body of her lover and tried to kill him. I have seen Ghost in the Shell standalone complexes, but it's been, I think, 20 years or, you know, close to that. So I should rewatch it, but amazing series. I love that opening song by Origa as well. Good music. All right. Matt R says, if you like sharp things in a business that doesn't hate anyone, try my brother's mall shop, animearmory.square.site. They have, they have a sharp Zelda prop for you. Ooh. We have the, you saw the Master Sword? Oh, I saw
1: the Master Sword. I want
0: to, I want to sharpen it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you've got to sharpen it.
0: <laughs> but I don't think it's made of a real I don't know material. how you're going to kill Ganon with a dull Master yeah. Sword. Silver It's magic, I suppose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eric Consen says, Ian, quote, I'm a huge Star Trek TNG fan. Doesn't know what best of both worlds is. Shaking my head. Well, true, tr- I want to, I just want to, in defense of Ian, it's been so long since I've actually done a watch through of TNG. It's been, I think, like seven years. That I probably am gonna, you know, I'd mess up names. I as went well. through
4: like a, a year phase where I watched every episode night after night or like a five or six month thing, but I didn't catch the names of any of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm old and watched them in real time. Nice. Oh, I, I mean, I watched them when I was a little kid. My dad would sick. put I it on, them and I'd sit on the couch them. and you saw them all in real time? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I very vividly remember I was on a, a, a band trip. I was a saxophone player and I was in, in the high school band and we were down in Austin, Texas in an embassy suites and everybody was going to go out and hang out for the night. But it was the night of the, of the final series finale of the next generation. Uh, And so I stayed inside and watched Picard and Q mix it up and everybody else went out. Yeah. He was a great character, man. Yeah. All right. BN
0: says, I've heard Star Trek creator, Gene Roddenberry was a confirmed atheist who hated Mm -hmm. organized religion. The acronym Borg stands for bigoted organized religious groups. Any thoughts? Sad. I don't believe. I don't believe the Borg thing.
3: But he wasn't. Roddenberry was an atheist. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. In the
0: original series, but they're, modern... they're less
3: heavy-handed about it. But then in, in Next Gen, Picard says some things which are like more overtly secular.
0: Yeah. But uh, uh, bigoted wasn't used as frequently in that context back then yeah. as it is today. So I'm not sure that I believe that. You yeah. Alright, what is it? Uh, Mixed Up says Jeremy asked him to sing a song on the members only segment. <laughs> Truth be told, I thought it was going to say something about Jeremy singing, because you have a hit song, I think,
1: right? Uh, uh, together again. Oh,
3: yeah, yeah. Sing us the song, you're the beanie man. <laughs> yeah.
1: What? There you go. That's right.
0: <laughs> Alright,
1: we'll grab a couple more here. Actually, uh,
0: Tigray says, when Dallas Sonnier was on, is that, is that am, I, am, I, am I pronouncing that right? Sonnier. Sonnier. Yeah. Was on Timcast IRL, he said Daily Wire needs to break into the sci fi genre. Jeremy, would you prefer to read a treatment sooner or a screen pa- screenplay later? I have
1: studied up on your stuff and have
0: something I think uh, fits the Daily Wire.
1: Yeah, one of the real challenges is how to take submissions. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you talk about how uh, we make a lot of money and there are all these rules about how we can spend it, uh, the rules around copyright and pitches, unsolicited in particular pitches, are so absurd. If you send a screenplay to me, I will not be able to read it legally. Mm. If you mail it to me, I will not be able to open the mail. If you email it to me, I will have to delete it without opening it and show my attorney that I've deleted it because uh, the studios for years and years and years have paid settlement money to people who say, uh you know jurassic park that was my i had the idea that we should make a movie with dinosaurs in it 24 years ago and i pitched it to a guy who at that time worked in the concession stand at an amc theater or whatever uh and and that's a very lucrative business and so i'll just tell you that for me uh one of the great stories of my life this guy Roderick taylor the falconer who's had a bunch of uh, songs he had seven records with david geffen back in the 70s and 80s, and then he became a great screenwriter. He he wrote on TV, then he had a feature film with Jodie Foster called The Brave One, that you may recall. And Rod told me this great story one time where his father was at a retirement community or something down in Florida and called him. Hey, Dad, how's it going? Rod, I, I need to put you on the phone with my friend. Uh, you don't have any friends, Dad. Who are you, what are you talking about? No, no, my my friend, my friend who works at the front desk of the old folks' home. he' like, all right, Dad, put him on the phone. Guy gets on the phone and he goes, Hey, I've got this great idea for a screenplay. And Rod said, I don't need your idea. I'm a professional writer. It's basically he was, he was in Glengarry, Glenn Ross. Uh, I don't, I'm a professional writer. I have had every idea. Ideas are not what's missing. What's missing is execution. And this is a great lesson. Your screenplay may be terrific. Your idea may be great. It is all execution at every step. And, uh, I wish that I could short, shortcut for you how to get your screenplay to me especially if it's well executed, but you just have to keep executing and we have to find ways around these really prohibitive laws that make it almost impossible because if I hear your idea and it's bad, it still puts me in a position where I can't make a good version of that idea or some other idea that's sort of tangentially related to that idea 20 years from now when I don't even remember the bad idea that I've heard. This can be fixed. There are ways around it. But it is very challenging. Can
4: they recuse on the mail? I, oh, I subject I want no copyright for this. Yes,
1: and in fact, one of the things that we are talking about doing is trying to create some sort of digital submission because in a digital submission, I can make you check the box before you right. submit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not because I want to steal people's ideas. Not in any way. It's because we- Dallas Sonier has read 500 scripts for me in the last year. 500 scripts. Every idea in some germ of every idea has been present in one of those scripts. So you just can't be in a situation where 20 years from now you make something. You can't. There's no way you stole someone's idea, right? You're just you're doing the work. You can't create those liabilities. That Again, there are ways around it. That's one way. I've
0: never uh, cared much for. Idea, I, I, I've never viewed ideas as being the most important thing. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. execution is everything. Yes. And I actually think it's kind of a cop out too for people who are like, I had this idea and it's like, and you did nothing with it. You did, yeah. So exactly. I, I've been at a bunch of meetings and, uh, I learned this when I was in California from a lot of people or this is what, what, what they told me is, uh, what you're told when you're growing up poor is never share your ideas because they'll steal it. Yep. And what they tell you when you're rich is share your idea with everyone you can to refine it because mm-hmm. If if an investor hears it, they're going to hire you, the guy who thought of it, who has the vision and the passion to do it, to 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 make it, because well, trying to find someone else to do it means you're going to have someone who's not driven to do it. It's a mistake. Yeah. So for me, for the most part, I don't care if someone steals my
1: ideas. You yeah. Know, I'll, I'll I'll talk about my ideas, whatever, with anybody. And I'm, I'll, I'm such a firm believer in execution that I'll give away any idea too. my, my friend, not, no one's going to steal it. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. Most people, even if they knew exactly how to do what you've done. Even if you gave them a, even if it were replicable, and you gave them the the blueprint on how to replicate it. 99.9% Ninety nine point nine percent of people wouldn't exactly. And Even so, if you're so, paying
3: them, sometimes like there's that, I, I'm blessed not, with an amazing team, but sometimes like you can be working on a project with a group of people, or if any of you have worked a job with with other people who just were not doing what they were supposed to, it's like you can get orders from people above you to do a specific thing, and like everyone drops the ball. So the idea that people are just going to like take your idea and, and make it for free is ridiculous.
0: Well, you know, so I've been in so many meetings pitching ideas and everything, and I've always just been like, here's all of my ideas. Mm-hmm. None of them have ever been stolen. Yeah. The 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 issue you'll learn when it comes to a lot of investors, too, because I've sat down with big investor meetings and they're like, you know, we've had conversations about how people are scared of their ideas being stolen. And they were like the, the idea that we'd invest in a random person we'd hire as opposed to the person who had the idea is kind of a crazy thought. It, it can happen if a really dumb person, who, like a really undriven person who doesn't do anything puts two and two together and like that is actually a good idea, but this person can't pull it off.
1: I'll tell you an amazing story. When we met with uh, the high net worth individual who gave us the, the initial capital on which we built the Daily Wire. Uh, again, it was a very small amount of money compared to the success that we've driven, but we needed it. It was an instrumental moment in our money, to, in our uh, careers to go raise that money. We're sitting in this giant, like, bond villain, uh, conference room. You know, I'm sure there was a shark button that they could have pressed if they didn't <laughs> like our pitch. And the high net worth individual was in the room and some, and some other members of his family were in the room. And Ben and I were, and Caleb were giving our pitch. And at a certain point, one of, one of the high net worth individual's relatives leaned back in his chair and he said, you know, people pitch us ideas all the time. And a lot of people have come in here and say they want to build a company that makes conservative content, and puts it on the internet. Why should we give our money to you? And Ben Shapiro did not miss not, not half a second. He <laughs> said, person. I'm better than they are. there you go execution that's it um if you go before me
0: and you say i I tell this people all the time Mm -hmm. when it comes to sales and pitches you might get a a, a, someone with no talent but someone who speaks well like no no ability to build the machine but they can tell you they can build the machine and who Mm -hmm. am i supposed to trust if someone comes to me and says i want to build a 3d printer I'm gonna say, why should, I, why should I fund this? And if they say, well, look, to be honest, there are a lot of printers out there. You know, I think I can do a good job, but, um, I, I will, I will do my best. I'm going to be like, okay. If some guy comes in and says, listen, you want a 3D printer? I'm gonna build it. It'll be the best you've ever seen. No one can do it better than me. I'll be like, all right, well, if you don't have the confidence yourself to do it, I can't invest in it. Yeah. With that being said. Go to TimCast.com. Have confidence in us because yes. we're going to have a members-only segment coming up around 11 p.m. is when we'll publish it. So smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and become a member at TimCast.com. You can follow us at Timcast IRL basically everywhere. You can follow me at TimCast. Jeremy, did you want to shout anything out?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I would promote TimCast, but everybody listening already knows about it. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, you know, Uh If somebody wants to head over to IHateHarrys.com, they'll get the shave of their life uh, with a Jeremy's razor. And we'd love to have your business over at DailyWire.com as well. Right on.
3: I'm Seamus Coglin. I create an animated web series called Freedom Tunes. If you all want to go check that out, we released a cartoon today and Ooh. one on Tuesday. Go over there and subscribe, please. And thank you very much.
4: Ian Crossland from IanCrossland.net. Seamus, can you roll me that red hundred? You want me to dryer? roll you this dice? Yeah. You're
3: gonna risk it? No, no, I'm not gonna. I just I don't want you to like roll a one in the show. On, I, have on a a low note, buddy. I have a
4: gift for you. It's this red one hundred sided die. Oh my god! <diamond. yeah. laughs> <laughs> you were
3: oh, god. here yesterday. Oh my god! Happy birthday to me. That was a twenty, my Happy
4: friend. Happy birthday, good, homie. Yeah. You're look a look wonderful this. human this being right there. Love you, Seamus. thank you. So much hey, comment, man. Hey Seamus. You.
0: Yeah. Ian gave me one hundred and twenty sided dice. Yeah. Well, <sighs> it's different. Comparison,
3: so it really is the thief of fun. joy. I know, right? It's <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> terrible. Anyway, I really appreciate that, that high note to go out on. Thank you so much for coming, Jeremy. I really appreciate what you guys
2: are doing over at the Daily Wire. We are having John Madley Mad, uh, John Mattingly on mm, in the future. You. and Andrew Claven as well. Very excited to do like this crossover between the two different companies.
4: I am Sarah Petchlitz. You can follow me on Twitter and Minds.com.
0: We will see all of you over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out.
4: Bye, guys.